Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. It's nothing but the truth on man's journey to find it. It's June 27, 2015. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Uh, I spelled that wrong. It's TPP, it should be, not TTP. Or, um, the Dirty Deal and Jade 2. So I apologize for the title of the show. I'll fix that. Got a lot of things to talk about. Headline news, yahoo.com. See what we got here. So, uh, UFOs appear on International Space Station's camera just as NASA cuts live feed. Examiner, and if you believe that, that's that's more mind control for you. Uh, Chicago Archbishop blasts Kubrick, Kubrick, Pope meet. Chicago, Chicago Archbishop Bishop blasts Kubrick met with uh, Pope Francis for the first time. The Archdiocese of Chicago announced Saturday afternoon. I also took the opportunity to tell him to see what he told him. <clears throat> if it doesn't have too many pop-ups. Okay, if it moves. Uh, the two met Friday afternoon in Domus Sancte Martha, the Pope's home. Cooper expressed his gratitude to, the Holy, to see the Holy Father for receiving him and, and for appointing him to serve the people of Chicago, according to us. I poked. Uh, there we go. I also took the opportunity to tell him about many wonderful things happening in our local church and assured him of the support of the ministry. Of unity, uh, Cooper said the Pope said it's uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. All right, come on, come on, come on. One of these, it's been one of those days, I tell you. Uh, I've been attacked by numerous people today about bringing up some stuff this week and to be accused of being a fear monger. But I guess that's price you pay for willing to speak the truth about stuff. Come on. It's all locked up on me. Okay, so yeah, NASA's lying about UFOs. Archbishop from Chicago visits Pope Francis. Rush Limbaugh anti-Pope freakout proves that he needs a crash course in reading comprehension, and uh, whatever. So that probably has something to do with how perverse the things are being said about um, uh, climate change. Of course, we know that they're the ones creating it. And um, and, uh, I read the uh, the papal encyclical on climate change, and it's really 
he does bring up the idea that we need to consider population reduction. <laughs> but he is uh, full of it, and uh, it's really quite vague. So a lot of people make it just a big deal. But lots of stuff about the gay marriage thing, Catholic bishops uh, on S-C-O-T-U-S, profoundly immoral and unjust for government to say too gay constitutes marriage. And you know what? We finally agree about something when it comes to with the uh, between uh, biblical Christians and the papacy. Maybe that's what they'll use to try to unite us. <laughs> uh, anyways. So, yeah, I got attacked today by a couple folks. And call me a fear monger and questioning my uh, what I'm doing, but you know, I've done enough research on certain issues about what they're doing out there, and as far as the government goes, and um, yeah, what did I do with that piece of paper? That it? Hmm. And about what they're up to as far as uh, this total spectral dominance thing and about using the computer. Sorry for not being so... Uh, yeah, mastering the human domain. So once again, mastering human domain. And it is a program, and it is something that we will be listening to about J2, because I think it's important. We'll be listening to a little bit about... It's supposed to be the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but I... I did it wrong, so I apologize for that. I put T T P. For some reason, it reminds me of toilet paper, and there's a good reason for that. Um, I got attacked today by of all people at Auberman, so I brought up some stuff about what's going on in um, Charleston and the F L E T C the Federal Emergency Training Training Center and how they had a uh, an active shooter exercise or drill over there at the same time they had this supposedly shooting of these people. And he goes, oh boy, we can't even discuss about a, a real person. Because there was a video and I thought, really, they had like these goony white police officers that looked like something, looked like brown shirts beating the heck out of this black guy in the police in the station. And uh, so I said, you know, I made some comments about the Jesuit New World Order and about they look like brown shirts, except they have blue shirts now. And uh, and I brought up some few things about, um, yeah, about what happened in Charleston, South Carolina. And that they had a shooter exercise because, oh boy, can't even discuss about real person beaten and to a pulp without all this false flag crisis actor shit. This is so. Ed Opperman claims to be a Christian, and I don't believe it one bit. His behavior—you look at his Facebook page—it's full of freaking uh, young girls. The man doesn't have morals. He doesn't. He's just. So you better not pick on him. Well, he can pick on me all he wants. I don't care. 
I've already lost everything, so what are you going to do? Um, what next, two sons? Flat Earth? We need to stand up and, and object to what is happening in reality and not make up fantasies. <clears throat> and so I returned. I said, uh, well, listen, prove me wrong. You're the investigator. And what else did I say? Instead of insulting me. And then he went back. <laughs> this is a guy. I don't even know the guy from Adam. This is what the guy does. This, I'm so sick of Facebook. I'm about ready to turn it off, to be honest with you. He gets his WTF. And, of course, you know what that means. Do you do your stupid YouTube BS have to do with... This is what it says. WTF, do your stupid B, YouTube BS have to do with this unmanned getting beaten? Uh, and it's very clear what's get, what it is. We're, they're turning us into a police state. And so I said, you know, gee, that's really Christian, Ed. What's wrong with you? And then he, he, he unfriended me on Facebook. So, And then I had somebody else today that did something else similar. I really have nothing against the guy. I don't know what's going on. Some people, a lot of people drawing away from me, which is fine. I am not worried about it <laughs> at this point. Uh, I've come to realize that uh, just uh, what can you do about it? You know, the truth is the truth. We're turning into a police state. And it's not just about divide and conquering. They're turning us back into a Rome. This is what the plan was all along, folks. I mean, you can see what's going on, and it's not me being sensationalist or being fear-mongering. It's warning people what's really going on, what they're going to do with the Internet and how they're going to do this mastering the human domain, and they're going to track every move that you make. They've never had this from you. Yes, they've given you books about it, and they've been telling you for 50 years, 60 years now, even longer, that that was the goal, the Jesuit goal, the New World Order, their New World Order. But I guess people just don't want to really talk about the truth. I guess it's too frightening. They like the gospel more than they like to do anything, don't we? So, well, God bless the Ed Opperman. Hopefully, he gets right with God. Clearly, right now he's in a bad state, <clears throat> and I understand it's been a rough week for a lot of us. So, I personally didn't have anything against him, or else I wouldn't have bothered reaching out to him. So. Okay, uh, yeah, there's endless articles about the Pentagon brand's belligerent journalists as legitimate uh, like a zero hedge here. All of these, you know, they don't tell us all the truth. They're not talking about Rome. But the truth still is, if you look at this, we say journalists as legitimate enemy combatants, targets. And so they're going to be cracking down on uh, folks, and probably guys like me, too. So that's why I've been pushing all this stuff, trying to get people to have a basic understanding of the world that you live in, the best that I can, my limited abilities, and hopefully you pass it on to others. But the fact of the matter is, nobody really listens to me. I mean, you got to have poor people, and I'm grateful for those people that do. But, you know, the most people just, uh, you know, it's, it's hard pill to swallow a lot of things I share, so. And it says here, as Washington Times reports, the eye-catching section deals with the def definition of journalist and how they are 
expected to stay out of the fight. Now, this sounds just like Nazi Germany, folks. They really are turning this country into that, whether we want to accept it or not. We see the images, the opportunities every day for something more and more to happen like this. And uh, to think that one time I even wanted to interview Ed Opperman, but <laughs> glad he exposed his cards, so don't have to deal with that. In general, journalists are civilians, however, and I love this, how like scientists call us civilians. Everyone's a civilian. You know, that's that's code word for we're slaves. We're the profane, we're the goyim, we're uh, the bricklayers. This is what we've learned this week from Gordon Comstock. Uh, bricklayers, that's where we're at. We're slaves. We're civilians. And we're supposed to bow down to the, all the authorities, whether it's the scientists, the priests, the high priest of NASA, the high priest of the, the Jesuit Roman Empire, the high priest of uh, the Rome's daughter churches, the high priest of the state. And that, uh, you know, they and just accept all the lies and the deceit that they throw at us. And now things are ramping up even more. I mean, a couple of years ago, they made it legal for them to propagandize us, but we're not going to deal with that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the fact that uh, the government is and the media have made a deal, and all these false flags really are just that, false flags. And by the way, Ed Hopperman had uh, Dave McGowan on, and we're talking about the same things you think that the guy would be cool about it, but apparently he was... And then you got him also with this caravan to midnight thing and um, ends up getting cancer. And uh, <clears throat> I think something happened to the poor guy. He was healthy as a horse. Yeah, he was a chain smoker. There's a lot of chain smokers that live 90 years. not saying people should do it. I'm just saying... <laughs> Next thing you know, he has lung cancer. <clears throat> and he exposed thoroughly that the fact that the Boston bombing marathon incident was nothing more than a, a staged event, a hoax, of crisis actors. And then Ed just pounded on me. Really disappointing. And people, these are things that we really do need to pay attention to. Yes, we're supposed to stay close to the Word of God and our Lord and Savior, but we're also supposed to be vigilant and aware of what's going on around us and warn each other and tell the people and stand up for the way, the truth, and the life and stand up against tyranny, you know? But no, it's all about divide and conquer, and it's just uh, forget about it. No, we're not supposed to forget about it. And just, you know, yeah, there's good police officers, but there's also a lot of bad people who are police officers, just as they are insurance agents and bankers and everything else. They only think about themselves. And there's a lot of people that will throw you under the bus. A lot of people you think of your friends. I've discovered this, whether it was through AA, religion, uh, uh, so many different aspects in life. I mean, it's really a reality. And they'll try to say, well, there's something wrong with you. And yeah, I'll say that you're overly sensitive or you're nuts or crazy or, you know what? If you care and you stand up for its rights, you're going to be called everything under the sun. 
And then once you stand on the side of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, well, you know what he told us would happen. <clears throat> but the world would hate you. So the only thing you can do is just speak the truth about what's going on, and and if people want to hear, they don't. They great. If they don't, what can they do about it? So, anyways, back to this report. In general, journalists are civilians. Although it's just not true because we know that the mainstream media, all like whether it's anything that's on your television, they're all controlled by the CIA or CIA ops. Uh, psych ops operation coming through there, so it's more than that. I think he's talking about people like myself, this article, and all the hundreds of other articles that have come out. I mean, people, a ton has come out this week. And I really think that the uh, crisis, the active shooter drill was a distraction to keep us from paying attention to what happened with the TPP the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal that is really bad. It's really bad. It's really wicked. Um, what's going on with, uh, in a way, this uh, mastering the domain about base, basically uh, Jade Helm is about total dominance and controlling you, putting us under a... Now, we've already always been under martial law, but ramping up the police state, basically as far as the internet goes, controlling that, the people say. Uh, I imagine that things will happen with this show shut down. In fact, I'm feeling by shutting it down myself. This, this might be my last show for a while. That's why I'm going to pump out a lot of information for you, and hopefully somebody receives it and takes it seriously. And if they don't, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I've tried. And... Um, what can you do? I don't know what the next step is to do. But, I mean, I've done over 380 shows. If somebody listens to these shows, listens to any of them, you're going to learn something that you probably never knew before or at least be reinforced the things that you knew. But it's we're, this year is going to be a bad year in ways that we can't comprehend. And we have a hard time believing that things could be so evil, but we always got to keep in the back of our mind history. In the tens of millions, if not billions of people who have been enslaved and murdered and treated like dirt by other human beings who will try everything under the planet to make you convince you that they're elite. They're the elite. That was a bunch of crap. They're just, you know what? They're gangsters. It's all a bunch of crooks. All they do is care about themselves. They're godless men, and they care nothing about you. You're a human resource to them, anyways. While the Pentagon did not specify the exact circumstances under which a journalist might be declared an unprivileged belligerent, and that's not something straight out of Nazi Germany and Rome and the Jesuits, I don't know. Lumping terrorist writers with uh, bona fide reporters prompt a civil a civilian lawyer who's honestly opens opines on opinions supposed to be on war crimes cases to call the wording an odd and provo- provo- uh, provocative provocative thing 
for them to write. And of course, that's what it means. I mean, you know, we're we're going to be anybody that doesn't go along with this Jesuit New World Order. Well, you're going to be targeted. You know, I knew a long time ago before I started this. I knew that you know, it's something like this show probably sets a death sentence for me. But then again, if I didn't do it, I'd be dead already. I'd be one of the Walking Dead. So whatever. Uh, Michael Rubin, a uh, Middle East expert on American at the American Enterprise Institute, said the manual reflects today's muddled world of journalism. It's a realization that not everyone abides by the same standards we do. And what does that mean? Said Mr. Rubin. Well, first of all, let's talk about standards. You guys have no standards. You have no values, no nothing. You will fake one thing after another. You'll lie to us. You'll kill half of us. Where's your standards? Yeah, yeah. It's, your standards, are, you know what? It doesn't take a great moral man to have more standards and values and morale than you. I, I feel ashamed for humanity. I feel ashamed for all those guys sitting in front behind those cameras with their Freemasonic suits and their inverted obelisk ties pointing to the genitals trying to tell me and you and everyone else who cares about anything that uh, we're some kind of threat. So if you're a caring person, a loving person, a genuine person, a person who wants to have really good, positive change in the world, now you're a threat. Just as Hamas used United Nations schools as weapon depots and Iran used charity workers for surveillance, many terrorist groups used journalists as cover. Now let's face this. UN used them. We, you know, that's not what happened. UN used these people, created these terrorists. They're part of the Jesuit Empire, controlled by Rome, coming out of Western Europe, corrupting the United States, blaming everything on the United States, convincing everybody that we are the image of the beast, but in truth, it is the it is the clergy of Rome, it's the bishopric. Is the Jesuits is the image of the beast. The papacy itself, and we are not. This country was never, we have now learned from this show that this country never was designed to be a Christian country or claimed to be a Christian country. They exploited Christians and used them to infiltrate. And that, guess what? Rome is, that's one of Rome's tactics, it always has it. Study the history of this country. Study the history of the Western Hemisphere, study the history of Canada. They used Protestants first to infiltrate, and then along with the Jesuits. And the Protestants want to do all the hard work, and then they can't everything over to the Catholics. That's how it goes, folks. That's not me being bigoted. That's the way the world works. So anyway, so we see that. We'll see what else we can find. So there's many articles here about the Pentagon, and now, of course, I'm having problems. I told you I'd end up having problems as computer things would start going bad here. So the top is thing I'm going to talk about. I could talk about the Jesuits all day. Nobody really cares about that. It's interesting. Everybody start talking about this. Stuff. <laughs> it all falls apart. 
Okay, Mint Press News, Pentagon just changed the rules of war to include legitimizing the killing of any journalist they deem belligerent. Now, this is communism. This is what they did in, in, in communist Russia and China. And the truth is, that's what they want for you and I. We're going to live under a communist system for the going, for the profane, for the bricklayers, and for the rest of them, the ruling elite, as they like to be called, because they're not elite, let's be honest with you, the ruling devils, the Satanists, the Luciferians, and the self-absorbed wicked men and women in the world who really believe in their nonsense and really feel that they're superior in you because they went to their Freemasonic, Jesuitor Freemasonic, Higher education got degreed and became blockheads, as the UN's poster show, a whole bunch of blockheads. But these blockheads, when in the end, with their money and their corruption and their lust and all the things that you will find in Romans chapter 1, will think of it as something noble to kill God's people. So the news, quote, laws of war were released as part of a book of instructions on legitimate warfare practices approved by the United States military and the UN, I'm sure, because it controls that. The rule book of sorts deals with the U.S. government's deems the acceptable way of killing those they claim are the enemy, including journalists who report who's reporting, they do not approve. All right, people. You know what? We're going to see living hell, aren't we? With the drones and all these militarized police forces and all these these, uh, skinheads becoming policemen, and uh, I just... And they're going to give instance black on white type of nonsense when really it's, it's the Jesuits and their minions against any of us. It's Satan against God's people, and it's always been that way. There always has been a divide. And you do have to make that choice, and if you follow the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's not going to be an easy road here. He promised you that. But oh well, he promised you something better. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and not in the Pentagon. The Pentagon. A bunch of Luciferians and Satanists serving Satan himself. Anyways, you can learn more about that. So we'll see if we can get get some of this stuff. So we have that? We got that saved, right? going to be a bad time, buddies. People, now this is not me fear-mongering. This is just the reality. It's going to be a bad time. Things are not going to get easier. They're going to get much worse. And there's just not much you can do about it. Well, they froze me up completely. That's great. And, of course, nobody's there anyway, so... What I wanted to do is do a report on the fact that 
uh, JFK Jr. told the world who murdered his father, but nobody was paying attention. And, of course, it's George Bush. So my computer's all locked up, so let's see. Maybe we can just get to it still here. Anyways, I, I really convinced at this point that I'm going on my own with this. There is no brothers in Christ, really. The, the <laughs> there's just uh, there's me in Christ. That's it. That's the way it's going to be, unfortunately, and uh, don't like it that way. But uh, well, we could uh, the arrest of Dylan Stormroof, a hoax that keeps on giving. Uh, you can learn more about that. I don't want to talk about that. I already exposed that. If anybody doesn't recognize by now, listening to me, that it's a hoax. Anyway, so look at this. Uh, with regards to George W. Bush and the murder of John Kennedy, Joseph McBride found this memo in 1988. Uh, see, it's in November... Twenty-nine to uh, 1963, director of Bureau of Intelligence and whatever Department of State. I can't see what that says. Kind of hard to read. Is it Ed, John Edward Hoover, director? Assassination of Presidents of John F. Kennedy, November two to 1963. And it says here, our Miami Florida office, November 23rd, 1963, advised that the Office of Coordinators of Cuba Affairs in Miami advised that the Department of State feels some misguided anti-Castro group might capitalize on the president's situation and undertake a, an unauthorized raid against Cuba, believing that the assassinated the President John F. Kennedy might herald a change in U.S. policy, which is not true. Now let's see, let's go a little further and see where... The very end of it, you can read just a few, well, you know, it says, our sources and information familiar with Cuban matters. And uh, I don't know if this is legit or not, but this is what they're publicizing. And this is what they're suggesting is that uh, JFK Jr. named uh, his magazine George, not after George Washington, but after George Bush. Because <laughs> it says in the very end of this memo, the substance of the foregoing information was orally furnished. And it says George W. George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency and Captain Somebody Another. I can't read half this stuff. The Advanced Intelligence on November 23rd, and the Bioheroes. It says if the an informant who has furnished reliable information in the past who is close to a small pro-Castro group in Miami had advised that these individuals are afraid that the assassination of the president may 
result in strong repressive measures being taken against them and although pro-Castro and their feelings regret the assassination, the substance of the foregoing information was orally And it brings up Donald George W. Bush or George Bush as Central Intelligence Agency. So I don't know. Let's see what else to see. It says the substance of unforgiving information orally furnished by to George Mr. George Bush, Central Intelligence Agency, Captain William Edwards, Defense Intelligence Agency and November twenty third by Mr. V T Fourth Fourth C of the Bureau. When it was was first released in 1978, George Bush was an obscure bureaucrat, a virtually unknown. So when the best researchers on the planet saw this memo in 1978, they didn't pay much attention to it. When Bush <clears throat> became vice president two years later, no one was able to connect his now well-known name to the obscure memo. But Joseph McBride has was messing around in 1988, and Bush was running for president. And when McBride saw the memo, he jumped up and shouted, "Hey, the memo is about Bush. It says he was the CIA way back was in CIA way back in 1963. For the longest time, the focus was on the simplest isolated fact that Hoover said Bush was in the CIA in 1963." Bush said the memo must have referred to another George Bush because he wasn't in the CIA at that time. But over the years, people were able to assemble the facts from Bush's personal life, showing his deep involvement with the CIA at that time and the CIA and anti-Castro Cubans. In the memo, Hoover calls them misguided anti-Castro Cubans. Over the time, it has become undesirable that Hoover was referring, uh, excuse me, undeniable that Hoover was referring in his memo to none other than George Herbert Walker Bush. And for a while, that was it. End of story. But the title of Hoover's memo is The Assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Isn't that important? Well, You'd think so, but for the longest time, no one made much of it. Besides, Hoover scarcely mentioned the assassination in the memo, instead focusing on the misguided anti-Castro Cubans. The body of the memo does not appear at first to be any way related to the title of the memo, the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. From the Rolling Stone magazine, Last Confessions of E. Howard Hunt, who apparently was involved with assassination too. But when Mark Lane, in his book Rush to Judgment, did the fabulous work of demonstrating and, in fact, persuading a jury that E. Howard Hunt, a major lieutenant in the CIA's misguided anti Castro Cuban program, was in Dallas involved in the assassination. With a, this background and with a framework to guide the researcher, it was then possible to assemble the considerable evidence linking Bush to Hunt. 
People might have taken some notice before that Bush made an unusual request as Nixon's ambassador to the UN to be given an office in the White House. They may have noticed that Hunt, although he was not being paid by anyone in the White House or answering to anyone that he knew from the White House, also had had a White House office. <clears throat> the very worst secrecy is repugnant in the free in a free and open society, and we are a people inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to the secret oaths and the secret proceedings. Our way of life is under attack, and those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. No war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are waiting to find, uh, if you are awaiting a finding of quote clear or present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear or present, and its presence has never been more immediate. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy, the Jesuits in Rome, the Roman Empire, that relies primarily on covenant, covet, covert means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration inside, instead of invasion and subversion instead of elections and intimidation instead of free choice on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has uh, conscripted a vast human and material resources in the building of a tightly knit and highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, political operations, and of course, education and, pre and preparation and preparations are concealed, not published, its mistakes are buried, not headlined, its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. John F. Kennedy, 35th President of the United States, from the speech delivered of the American Newspaper Publishers Association in April 27, 1961, and is and known as the Secret Society speech. But with Hoover memo in hand, establishing Bush as a supervisor of the CIA misguided Castro Cuban operation, it is possible to connect Bush to Hunt at the Bay of Pigs. With the memo in hand, it's possible to connect Bush and Hunt is two CIA operatives with office inside the White House. With the memo in hand, it's possible to answer who was the Hunt, who was, who it was that Hunt answered to inside the White House, and now he got the office in the first place. And with all that, it is possible to connect Bush to Hunt. Therefore, to Dallas, to Hunt in the Dallas and to the misguided anti-Castro-Cubans assassins of Kennedy. Which is how Hoover did, which is what Hoover did for us when he wrote the title of the memo, little by little, a piece, pieces start to fall into place, and pieces, pieces that 
and isolation meant nothing became key parts of the, of the whole picture. But even so, this is not a rock-solid connection. Hunt was directly involved. Hunt was directly involved in the murder of JFK, but Bush supervised Hunt. But Bush probably supervised a lot of CIA people, not all of whom were directly involved in the assassination. Highly ranking officers may be connected to all of the, of the acts of all of his troops by reason of his being their commander, but it's not a direct connection. It doesn't establish that the officer knew about or approved of or was involved in all the actions of those troops. And there's the more memo mem, memorandum as a C. Houston from S.A. I think it's Graham. I'm not sure. W. Kitchener, unknown subject, assassins of President John F. Kennedy. Let's see. Anyways, the argument in this place, we can find it. It will come up again in a minute. So, so there's this memo, memorandum, which I can't read. So please read the first line carefully. Bush identifies himself to the FBI as independent oil man from Houston. Okay. This is back to the memorandum. Uh, it says here, uh, uh, unknown subject assassination of President uh, J.F. John F. Kennedy at 1.45 p.m. Mr. George H.W. Bush, president of the Inzepta Offshore Drilling Company, Houston, Texas, re- residence 5525 Briar, Houston, uh, telephonically furnished the following information to by long-distance telephone call from Taylor, Texas. Bush stated that he wanted to be kept confidential but wanted to furnish furnish hearsay that he recalled hearing in recent weeks that the day and source unknown, he stated that one James Parrott has been talking about killing the president of the United when he comes to Houston. Bush stated stated that Parrott is possibly a student at the University of Houston and in action in political matters in this area. He stated that he felt Mr. Uh, Pauly, telephone number and both SU-2-5239 or Airline Smith, telephone number, and this is J-A- 9-9194 of the Harris County Republican Party headquarters would be able to furnish additional information regarding the identity of Parrott. Bush stated that he was proceeding to Dallas and would remain in Sheraton Dallas Hotel and return to his residence. 
So anyways, you can read more of that if you want. I'm sorry, just to tease you a little bit there. But the article is called World Truth TV, JFK Jr. told the world who murdered his father, but nobody was, uh, no one paid attention. And that's got a picture of Des- the Dallas School Book Depository, and he's got Bush standing there during the, when the assassination happened, or that day. And... It's an extensive article, so I'm not, I, I want to get back to the real more important issue. But my point in bringing that up is, is that we live in a world, of course, where governments are now. Well, see what's happened here. Are we still recording? I hope so. Let's see. Where governments are now, you know, once again, you know, they want to kill reporters and people to talk anything about negative about the government. So, and so the first thing we're going to listen to is we're going to listen to a couple of videos on the TPP, the dirtiest trade deal you'll ever heard of, and then we're going to listen to a, a caravan to Midnight Episode 309, J Helm Decoded. And it's full. It's about two hours. So, anyways, you can read more of that article. I'm sorry about letting you down on that. But the article basically says that JFK. Um, yeah, maybe I can play the short video for that. Uh, let's see. The JFK was. It's got a video there of uh, Bush Sr. laughing at the shooting of JFK. You can find. Um, see if you can find anything else. I want to make at least that leap, the uh, dark legacy trailer, and they might do a better job. I've had enough myself. I've had enough. I figured. I think I figured out enough. What I figured out is a whole bunch of very, very bad people in this world. <laughs> and there's only one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. And that good chance that these people are going to be the ones. That they're gonna throw you in jail. <laughs> Are the ones that you put your faith in. So, so but yeah, I've been called a lot of things lately, and I guess maybe I'm getting, starting to get to under people's skin, huh? Anyways, we'll listen to this dark legacy trailer first about what we're trying to read here. Central Standard Time today here in Dallas. 
He died of gunshot wound in the brain. Dr. Berkman told me it's a, a simple matter, Tom, of, uh, of a bullet right through the head. that afternoon, they were told they were not needed. The most reliable evidence available proves that the president's body was stolen and mutilated before the autopsy. Kennedy had called on the United Nations to help him to begin destroying the military-industrial complex. The CIA's anti-Castro operatives, led by E. Howard Hunt, were on the scene in Dallas and did much of the shooting. Five days later, FBI Director Hoover, in this memo, named Mr. George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency as the leader of the killers. The murder of John Kennedy begat the murders of Malcolm, Martin, and Bobby. Three million dead in Vietnam, 40 years of Cold War, $10 trillion wasted on the military. A truly dark legacy. Right now, big banking, software, pharmaceutical, and tobacco corporations are lobbying governments from 12 countries to negotiate the dirtiest deal you've never heard of. There's a reason you haven't heard of the TPP, or Trans-Pacific Partnership. There are some major corporations and government officials that don't want you to know what's in the deal. For one, our food safety standards, environmental protections, and local labor laws could all be threatened under the TPP. We could all be forced to pay significantly more for the medicines we need. And you could be fined or even sent to jail for downloading copyrighted content on the Internet. How will they know if you do it? Because your Internet service providers could be required to watch your online activity. But that's not even the scariest part. The TPP gives corporations the power to sue our government in secret foreign tribunals over any law or regulation they claim affects their expected future profits. Don't believe it? It's already happening. Recently, after Canada sent U.S. big pharma corporation Eli Lilly's drug price raising patents were not legit, the firm sued the Canadian taxpayers for a staggering half a billion dollars. And now billions of dollars are being demanded from Germany after it decided to phase out nuclear power following the Fukushima disaster and improve environmental standards for coal-fired electric plants. Philip Morris and Chevron are in on the game, too rating taxpayer dollars and trying to reverse crucial policies we all rely on. Thankfully, not everyone is willing to sign on the dotted line just yet. In fact, most government officials still have no idea what they're even signing on to, for good reason. So far, Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives have united against fast-tracking the TPP. But there is a mighty corporate lobby that wants to make sure the deal is signed and railroaded quickly through Congress before we know about the damage it will cause us. We must get our senators and representatives to stop fast-track. Here's the deal. Without a strong public outcry, politicians will only hear the concerns of multinational corporations. And once the TPP is signed, it's here forever. There's no expiration date and no separation clause. 
This dirty deal has been deliberately branded as a free trade agreement. It is anything but free for people like you and me. And it's not really about trade. It could cost us our internet freedom, labor rights, access to affordable medicine, the safety of our food, and protections that keep our water and air clean. Nobody wants to be stuck with a backroom deal we don't want and never voted for. Find out more. Speak up and spread the word. And, of course, that's too late because it was fast-tracked past. While everyone else is focusing on the shooting in Carolina that turned out to be a active shooter drill. Obama administration is preparing to sell America out to a handful of private corporations. Well, more than a handful, but anyhow, that's because right now President Obama is preparing to push through the largest trade deal in human history, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or, if it's, or as it's more commonly known, the TPP. If approved, the TPP would create a whole new set of rules regulating the economies of 12 countries, the red countries seen here, on four different continents bordering the Pacific Ocean. These rules cover everything from pharmaceuticals to digital copyright law and could permanently change the way everyday Americans and people all over the world interact with the global economy. So if you think the Obama administration, you, you would think as a result of this, that the Obama administration would want to keep the public as up-to-date as possible on such a big trade deal, right? Wrong. The United States has negotiated the TPP almost entirely in secret with the help of about 600 private corporations. Most of what we know about it actually comes from leaked documents, and those documents paint a pretty scary picture. Now, thanks to WikiLeaks, we have an even better idea of just how dangerous the TPP really is. Earlier today, WikiLeaks released a full draft of the treaty's intellectual property rights chapter. The 95-page document proves what many people have long suspected, that the TPP isn't so much a free, a free trade deal as it is a giant giveaway to monster transnational corporations. According to WikiLeaks, the TPP would allow private foreign corporations to sue countries over regulations that those corporations don't like. It would allow them to expand the monopoly powers of pharmaceutical patents. And it would also give corporations the go-ahead to start blocking websites accused of violating copyright law. The documents also show that the Obama administration, on behalf of the United States, has been pushing for some of the TPP's harshest intellectual property laws. To put it bluntly, the TPP would sacrifice national sovereignty, public health, and internet freedom, all in the name of helping private corporations keep their CEOs' wallets fat and their shareholders happy. That's why the TPP is so much more dangerous than normal trade deals like NAFTA or CAFTA. Not only does it reward companies that send jobs overseas and gut regulations that keep big businesses in check, it also increases corporate control over pretty much every part of how you and I interact with the world and makes it near impossible for countries to fight back against giant corporations. As Julian Assange said about the leaked documents, if instituted, the TPP's intellectual property regime would trample over individual rights and free expression 
as well as ride roughshod over the intellectual and creative commons. If you read, write, publish, think, listen, dance, sing, or invent, if you farm or consume food, if you're ill now or one day might be ill, the TPP has you in its crosshairs. In other words, it puts the rights of profit-driven businesses over the rights of human beings and the governments that we form to protect ourselves. No wonder, then, that the Obama administration doesn't even want Congress to take a closer look at the TPP. To push the U.S. into the proposed treaty as soon as possible, the president is trying to use a special legislative trick called fast-tracking that would prevent lawmakers from making any amendments to the TPP. Instead, the treaty would be sent right to the floor, where it would only have to pass a simple majority vote. Sounds like a done deal, right? Well, not so fast. A growing number of bipartisan lawmakers, including people as far away from each other on the political spectrum as Michelle Bachman and John Lewis, are banding together to fight back against the president's TPP plan. They're calling for an open debate on the treaty and have asked the Obama administration to hold back on pushing for fast-track powers. So, will they succeed? And what's the deeper story here? For more on this, I'm joined now by Mike Papantonio, attorney and host of Ring of Fire Radio, Ring of Fire Television. Pap, welcome back. Scott, how are you? Just great. Hey, as I just mentioned, there's growing congressional opposition to both the TPP and President Obama's decision to try to reauthorize Fast Track to pass this thing, which a power that he doesn't have right now. It expired in 2008, as I recall. Uh, do you think today's WikiLeaks revelations are going to help? Or how, how, you know, what effect are they going to have on all this? They are extremely important because what the American public sees now, and, and this is this is going to be this is going to take the same shape that we saw with Syria, uh, with Larry Summers, with the uh, the pipeline, XL pipeline. You're going to see so much anger about this once people understand what has been happening to them behind closed doors. It's so secretive, as a matter of fact, that even the people working on it had to, find a, had to, had to sign a classified information non-disclosure agreement, and that's how he's kept it secret. But real problematic is why would a president that runs on the idea of being the people's candidate want to keep this so quiet when it puts so many people out of jobs and is such a huge threat to every facet of the American public. Why would he want to keep that secret? That's the big question. I think I know the answer. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing for you that's not a rhetorical question. What do you think the answer is? Well, I think it, it all comes down to the fact that it, we, we saw the same thing happen with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was surrounded by the Robert Rubin types, by, by the Penny Pritzker types, by, uh, by the Wall Street types. That's where Bill Clinton's money came from. Uh, we have ignored the fact that Obama came up the same way. It's simply a continuation of what we saw with the Bill Clinton administration, with NAFTA and CAFTA. Now he has made promises. There's nothing else you can read into this. He's made promises. He had to make promises in order to get elected to get all that money from Wall Street, and now it's payback time. Wall Street had the good sense to understand there's no way that anybody with a brain and a gag reflex could ever put up with this type of legislation or this type of treaty, so he kept it quiet, intentionally tried to hide it from the American public and the press. I think one of the most interesting parts of this is, well, actually, the only part that we really know right now is this intellectual property part, but that's, you know, both damning and fascinating. I'm curious your thoughts about the revelation, probably the biggest revelation in this, was that it's the United States is pushing hardest for this. It seems to me like 
I'm seeing the uh, the hand of Microsoft and Disney and Sony and whatnot behind this. Uh, but maybe the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, that's an area that oh, you big, big kind of time. super specialized in. Your thoughts? Big time. Well, what, what has happened is Exxon, Dupont, uh, Dow Chemical, Eli Lilly, Merck, all the big companies have already had great success just gaming the system and taking away sovereignty by way of NAFTA. NAFTA is very weak where it comes to for a foreign entity's right to come in and change the sovereign law. TPP puts NAFTA on steroids, but already we've seen the oil companies force people in Canada that said, you know, we don't want you drilling in our backyard. They've been forced, they've been sued, uh, and the legislation that prevents that, uh, that, that drilling has been thrown to the side. Same way with fracking, same way with uh, pricing of pharmaceuticals. This is a complete uh, takeover of what we hold so dearly, and that's the right for us to be able to govern ourselves, Tom. And really, this is the last stage, uh, if this were to succeed, this is the last stage of making the United States into something akin to Saipan in this sense. It creates what we call job scarcity. If you have 20 people that are applying for the same job, the employer is able to say, no, we're not going to honor OSHA. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to honor regulations. We're not going to pay a, a, a minimum wage. We're not going to allow for unionization. And all of a sudden, uh, that, the, the person right behind that guy applying for the job says, well, I'll take the job. Look. When you take regulations away, when you let corporations get involved in interfering with sovereign regulations and sovereign laws, it always works to the benefit of the corporation. That's the, that's the gotcha. That's the gotcha part of this whole thing. That's where it's headed. Obama knows it. He's not an idiot. He simply is owned and operated by Wall Street. And it's hard to admit it, but that's the guy we elected, and now we're seeing it. This is a telltale of what this man really is all about. Why else would he keep it a secret? What's the word on when this thing is going to drop? Well, I think what at this point it's going to be slowed down dramatically. That what, what's going to happen is they have to get this through with Obama. He has to be the guy because there's a good, there's a good possibility that Hillary won't be able to do it. Hillary's going to be running for cover as she sees this pendulum swing and progressives get more and more involved with saying, you know, damn it, we're tired of centrist politics. We're tired of Democrats acting like damn Republicans. And Hillary, you better not stand behind this. So Obama is the last chance they have. They're going to put full tilt full speed behind this thing every way they can. And the only thing that's going to stop it, Sam, uh, the only thing that's going to stop it is, 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 Tom, is people like you and me and uh, Sam, who I was talking about this radio show with me, and, and Bobby Kennedy and the people that are out in the, in, in, in the media that is not mainstream media, but the citizens' media. They're going to stop this. This is where the anger, this is where the real anger is going to come in. Yeah, 30 seconds, Pat. There's absolute radio silence in the corporate media on this. Why? Oh, they want it. Listen, this is great for corporate media. It sells more. It sells more goods. Anytime you sell more goods, advertisers are happy. And the guys on the 50th floor with that MBA that could care, could not care less about the future of this country, they make more bonus money. Yeah, incredible. Mike Papantonio, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Tom. And I think your your analysis is spot.
Right now, big banking, software, pharmaceutical, and tobacco corporations are lobbying governments from 12 countries to negotiate the dirtiest deal you've never heard of. There's a reason you haven't heard of the TPP. Sorry about that. Trying to do two things, three things at once. It doesn't quite work for me. Anyways, we'll be talking more and more about this because the truth of the matter is, you and I, it, the, it has been passed. And find something to talk about the past. And let's see. Because it already has been passed. Right now, big banking. Let's see. How about go back here? PPP. Passed. <sighs> oh. I don't want to talk, listen to Alex Jones. He's the one talking about it. Obama's a dictator. He's just a puppet. He's just a puppet of the Jesuits. Anyway, Senate passed trade bill. They passed it last week while everyone was paying attention to gay marriage and uh, and uh, and shooting hoax there in Charleston. They passed this bill. And of course, I'm having nothing but computer problems tonight. I don't know if that's because it's Saturday or is it because of the subject matter. Well, we'll get back to this one, so we'll talk more about that uh, TPP. It was passed last week. So more draconian measures are going to be taken against us. learned about another bill that was passed last week that now makes it uh, reporters fair game for targeted terrorists. Um, of course, we learned a little bit about George Bush's possible connection, which is not possible, highly probable, since he was right there and they got a picture of him in front of the, uh, the school to, uh, depository there, the school book or the book school depository, whatever it's called. So now we'll listen to this. This is Caravan Midnight. They don't have everything right, and they're a little bit sensational, and they don't understand too much about the Jesuits, but they, this is worth listening to in its entirety. It's about two hours. <laughs> Greetings. 
and Silvery Hill to the headwaters of the Nile to the Great Pyramid at Giza and the Goiter at Bosnia, to the ruins at Angkor Wat and those at Chichen Itza, to the outrageous obelisk in D.C., to the melted fuel pools at Fukushima. We welcome you. This is Caravan to Midnight, the John B. Wells program. I am John B., the left seat of the Ark Midnight, mothership of all motherships, hovering on the cyber wave over the epicenter of the world, Dallas, Texas. You know, we've been uh, pontificating over the... What could possibly be the true nature of Jade Helm 15? I think we may find out. Rejoice. Rejoice, and in rejoicing, we will begin to formulate your plans. Because certainly plans have been formulated involving you, whether you want to be a part of it or not. We're going to speak with a lady named uh, DJ. I have her last name here, but she has uh, asked us not to reveal her last name because of certain other people who may feel the pain of her endeavors. By anyone in authority there, putting two and two together, or one and one together and equaling two, right? So we're going to keep it on the down low, but she is an extraordinarily talented person in the uh, realm of computer software and predictive programming, algorithms and so forth, algorithms being things that change over time. And what she has to say about Jade Helm is certainly going to make your little angel wing stand up as well as your ears. I'm going to do my best to hang with her. I don't think looking at her CV it's going to be easy, but I will do my best. A fairly quick study on these things. Speaking of quick studies, you're going to love this. Hackers have personnel data on every federal employee. Murdoch is stepping down as CEO from uh, 21st Century Fox. His sons are going to run it. He's not ill. He just appears to be um, like over it. He's still energized. You know, he's still got uh, still got some fire in him, but he just uh, he's going to turn it over to the young ones, the passing of generations, as it might be. Don't you find it interesting? Obama approves a new claim. At the same time, he's um, approving new plane emissions regulations. And which one does he choose? <laughs> the longest airliner ever built for Air Force One. Little King O. Little King nothing. You know, if this country keeps going the direction that it's coming, we're all going to have ends. Forget about the W-O, you know. Just ends. It won't stand for new. It'll stand for nothing. That's with a U and an apostrophe after the last N. Where's King Nothing? It's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, about this uh, about this league. Well, the union says, according to the Associated Press, hackers have personnel data on every federal employee. It's been stolen, social security numbers, a lot for every federal employee. A government a worker a union said Thursday charging that the cyber attack on U.S. employee data is far worse 
than the Obama administration has acknowledged, Senator Harry Reid, the Democratic leader, said on the Senate floor that the December hack into Office of Personnel Management data was carried out by the Chinese. Reid is one of uh, eight lawmakers who was briefed on the most secret intelligence information. A little bit of a paradox there, but whatever. What do I know, right? U.S. officials have declined to publicly blame China, and China, of course, has denied their involvement. J. David Cox, president of the American Federal American Federal of Government Employees. Maybe it's American Federation of Government Employees. A lot of typos. They kind of throw off your reading sometimes. But anyway, in this letter to OPM Director Catherine Archuleta, that based on uh, OPM's Good Lord, look at this. Would you look at all this? Folks, I gotta tell you. We have a hell of an editing job to do just about every day because of the uh, the things that we encounter. This is um this is really crazy. You know, anyway, all this dude was going to say, this J. David Cox, was that we believe the central personnel data file was the targeted database and that the hackers are now in possession of all personnel data for every federal employee, every federal retiree, and up to one million former federal employees. So it's really no big deal, right? Because there's 330 million of us, so what do we care? But uh, back to the original complaint that was preceded by that pause. You know, it's one thing when you get into this and and you think, oh, you know, gee, I wonder if they're looking, I wonder if they're watching, I wonder if they're annoyed, I wonder if I wonder if we're getting anybody's attention. But when you go through the absolute absurd number of computer weirdnesses, despite whatever you have between us and them, on just about a daily basis, I'm thinking it is a daily basis. It um, it makes you wonder why. So it makes me wonder why some of the other ones. Some of the other ones out there in the field of what is generally known as alternative media. I wonder why I don't ever hear them complain about these things. I just wonder about that. You see, we're not funded by the Israelis or CIA or, or any of that, or any sponsors, Monsanto or or any of the other derivative companies that from, from the flow from the, the head of that particular serpent. But we're funded by you. And that's it. And you know, when you're freelancing like this, you've just got, you've got yourself and your crew, and then you have your blessed and most beloved caravanners to keep you going. You find out real quick that there is ample reason for viewing this, that, and the other with a very jaundiced eye. For example, and I'm, I'm not going to name any names because you know people are loyal to those they wish to be loyal to. And it's not for me to do or say anything that would throw their, their loyalty into you know doubt or, or any kind of insecurity. But when you see a headline that says, so-and-so says that they definitely did thus-and-so. It's all revealed. And then you go through the article, and the very last line is, well, they didn't say that they directly did it. Or so-and-so 
was harassed. Cops tried to do this, that, or the other while covering the evil Bilderbergers. And you look at it, and you don't really see any reason for such a spectacular headline. I'm just saying that in the alternative media, it appears that the same axiom applies. Some of it's not meant to be good, it's just meant to be bought. That would not be us. And if it ever becomes us, you'll know because we won't be around anymore. Undetectable NSA-linked hybrid malware hits Intel security radar. While flash malware nastiness detections quadruple, we are all clearly doomed. This is (laughs) nice. Speaking of spectacular headlines, that's from theregister.co.uk. CTB locker ransomware attacks rose 165% in the first three months of 2015. More than 35% of victims were based in Europe, McAfee Labs reported. CTB locker encrypts files and holds them hostage until the ransom is paid. As such, the crimeware is picking up the baton that dropped with the takedown of the infamous crypto locker ransomware scam last May as in May of last year. The latest edition of Intel Security's report released on Tuesday states attacks on firmware for the first time. Firmware. Your world at your fingertips. Introducing the most innovative vehicle in its class. The all-new BMW 7 Series with Touch Command. More specifically, the report details persistent and virtually undetectable attacks by the so-called equation group that reprogram hard disk drives and solid-state drive firmware reprograms it. Clever little bastards. McAfee Labs assessed the reprogramming modules exposed in February and found that they could be used to reprogram the firmware in SSDs, in addition to the previously reported HDD reprogramming capability. Once reprogrammed, the HDD and SSD firmware can reload associated malware each time infected systems boot, and the malware persists even if the drives are reformatted or the operating system is reinstalled. Once infected, security software cannot detect the associated malware stored in a hidden area of the drive. Although not identified as such by Intel Security, the equation group has been linked to the elite units of the NSA, via confirmation by former staffers. You have no privacy, as you're about to find out. When we talk to DJ, pay close attention to what she says. And it's a good thing this is recorded because you're going to want to play some of it back later. As I said on, uh, on that, uh, the occasion of a uh, 50 mile an hour, 60 degree crosswind off the nose, and we made it to the, the, the uh, taxi area, I suspect we were in deeper stuff than we thought. We just got a well done serve in the tower. I suspect we are in a lot deeper stuff than we think. But maybe I'm just a little on the pessimistic side. You know, this is going to be an interesting conversation, but I need to give you a qualifier. Yes, the lady we are about to speak with has a first name, a middle name, and a last name. 
but for reasons that she has explained to me prior to our conversation with you, we will address her only by her initials, which may or may not be her real initials. Uh, these are the, the reasons are simply um, discretion, not only discretion for her benefit, but also of those who may be around her or who may not be around her. You figure it out. But in any case, I'm satisfied that she is a, a genuine article. And um, her work is very, very interesting. I believe what we are about to hear, if not an explanation as to what Jade Helm 15 is, then let it suffice to be enough about Jade Helm 15 that it should scare the bejesus out of you. Okay, let me just put it to you that way. Bejesus, you know that thing. All right, she has a, a book in progress, Some of All Fears. The release date is uh, scheduled in the not-too-distant future. Some of All Fears, Global Enslavement by an Arconic Technocratic Elite. Some of the videos made are the cloud, computing, and integral part of the NSA and Project Bumblehive. CERN, opening the door to a new realm of physics. The Jade, in Jade Helm 15, is an AI software program. Jade Helm, mastering the human domain. 1033 program and executive order 13684, the history of Jade 2. Planetary conquest by a global AI warfare system. GeoInt, casting a neural net on humanity. RFID, not required. Wow, let me tell you a little bit about her. Her background is in system and network engineering. Left her job in the gaming industry last year to pursue a challenge to make a difference in a world where right is wrong, up is down, truth is lies. Level 9 News will provide a protected platform to accelerate the awakening humanity is experiencing worldwide. DJ believes it is essential to keep the channels of truth and information open to continue to raise the consciousness of humanity so we don't wake up one day and wonder how we became enslaved to a global totalitarian government. What a good idea. This site, Level 9 News, will have some of the look and feel of YouTube without the censorship. People will be able to form their own forums and communities based on like-minded interests as well as geographical location. A comments forum will be provided for each content item posted. Here, a forum is provided for group think to address potential solutions to the problems we as a civilization are facing. Some of the site's topical categories will include topical news and information categories, articles, videos, radio podcasts, environmental, Gulf of Mexico, Fukushima, geoengineering, aerosol spraying, weather warfare, climate disruption, HARP, human health, new world order, economic financial stuff, geopolitics, technology, transhumanism, technocracy, breakaway civilization, Hegelian dialectic, otherwise known as false flags, or at least false flags is in parenthesis, the fall of America, the awakening, dot connecting, global awareness, human consciousness, spirituality, origins of humanity, free energy, and contact, whistleblowers, double proxied server, contact L9N, support and development contribution and contributor acknowledgement. A modest subscription fee will be required to post various types of content in order to pay the monthly hosting and disk storage fees for the site. However, 
The site and all of its content will be freely available to anyone with access to the web. She asks, are you one of the tens of millions of people who have figured out there's something very wrong with the world we are living in? Help be part of the solution. You can't fix the problems we face using the same tools that created them. Say, that's some pretty good exposition. Welcome, DJ. Good to have you with us. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what was the aha moment for you when you went, okay, that's it. Look, we're just going to get it on, like right now. And then you started doing your thing here. Well, the aha moment for me was kind of like, um, you know, I heard about this Jade Helm 15 exercise early back in March. Everybody was reporting on it. And um, I started doing some digging on it. And that's when I uh, started coming across the making the connection between the jade and the jade helm and the jade or jade 2 being an ai so- software system okay it's basically the jade 2 system is an ai quantum computing technology that has the ability to use vast amounts of data that's being collected on the human do- domain that's us to generate a human terrain system which they talk about in that pdf Okay, in, a geograph- in geographic locations in order to identify, eliminate targets, insurgents, rebels, or whatever labels that can be flagged as targets on a global information grid in a network-centric warfare environment. Well, it sounds like it's not just a war on the American people. You know, um, we, we spoke recently with uh, John W. Whitehead, the founder of the Rutherford Institute. And uh, he has a new book out called uh, Battlefield America, the war on, on the American people. And um, this sounds like a war on the uh, people of Earth, as I'm sure we're not the only ones who are going to be using these, uh, this artificial intelligence, these, uh, these algorithms and so forth. I'm sure that's what they are, because everything changes over time on the battlefield, virtual or otherwise. So, I mean, is that your sense? Is, this, is, everybody, is everybody on Earth? in the crosshairs here? I'm thinking maybe they are. Well, with respect to the, the J2 exercise, um, it, it's kind of being hyped and pumped up out there as um, an invasion or an occupation of a section of America. At the very least, it's the largest type of RMT ever conducted on American soil, anywhere, ever. So to that, um, to that aspect of it, um, I believe the concerns are real. However, I think there is another aspect to this program that's running in the background, this exercise, I should say, that's running in the background that not too many people are aware of, and that is probably by design. And what are we thinking this uh, thing is that's running in the background? Well, in short, uh, the software that they've developed, this J2 um It's technology that will not be battles directed by generals and military commanders, but by a computer, right? The G2 system is a network-centric software-based AI program at the helm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, how did you come to that conclusion without giving away the, you know, everything? Um, I read it in um, papers that, let me go back. 
this this isn't actually my conclusion. I mean, everything that I'm going to be discussing with you here today is in the documents. And before we get into some of the specifics that this system is able to do and will be doing, I just want to say that the information um, that I have found on the net that we will be discussing has been highly sanitized. Well, I believe it's been because there's things that are not there that should be there when you're talking about a technical system like this that just they weren't available in the papers. That's so. it. Well, just take us where you want to go. All right. Well, why don't we start talking about what the J2 system is capable of, and uh, we can go down this and hope this isn't too boring, but you can. Um, the J I'm, I'm thinking it won't be. Okay. Just don't let that be a concern. All right. Uh, this system ha uses vast sums of information collected on individuals, groups, population-centric regions, and large geographic areas and or countries. It then dumps all that information into a module called an HTA. Um, which is a human terrain analysis tool, which then analyzes the data to develop an HTS, or human terrain system. Uh, once the human terrain system is established, it, de it determines, and this is going to start to get really hairy, okay? It determines behavioral parameters for norms of individuals, groups, population-centric areas, etc. The establishment of these uh, formulated parameters is known as the human domain, which we've all been hearing about out there in the media and on the blogospheres and everything. It can then identify, extract, or eliminate perceived threats or targets based on deviations from these norms. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Jane can also examine examine the human terrain system over time with the use of thousands of remote sensors, both audio and visual, as, as well as real-time communication monitoring and um, other types of HTA tools to change or rewrite its program parameters in a particular human domain. This new information or program template as well as any other previous program scenarios, is then stored in its prodigy module, which is actually the battle planning suggestion module, module and it can be um, retrieved at any time for any intended purpose. Now, as this, um, as this is a knowledge-based or data-driven mixed initiative or military-slash-civilian application, it's able to generate complex deployment and battle plans in seconds versus hours, days, or weeks. It can create holographic battlefield simulations on the fly. Um, the deployment or, or battle planning with this system starts with the receipt of a mission statement which is then run through a CDR, or case-based reasoning module, to produce an ACOA or an adaptive course of action. The word adaptive is key. What's it adaptive to? It adapts itself to the changing human domain, us. It adapts its 
lands based on changing terrain of human activity. What are some of the elements that are classified as human activity? Okay, your communications, your financial transactions, your travel patterns, habits, behavioral patterns, emotions. Yes, this system can read and measure human emotion and social media content. Okay, the one paper goes on to say that activity can change rapidly in a crisis event or warfare scenario and it's able to change or rewrite its own COA or course of action on the fly. The system is aware. It has total awareness, even in a rapidly changing environment. Hold your place there. Let me ask you something. Where's the uh, central input point for this data that results in these solutions, solution calculations? From what I can ascertain, there is no central data input point. What um, I've be, been able to glean from all these papers and that is that these huge data dump centers, like the one in Blufftail and many, many other ones, are connected into this global information grid. So if you want to look at it from that, that um, perspective, the global information grid would be the central point on the okay. network system. Takes me a minute to get my mind around these things, but I'm, I'm with you. Keep rolling. Okay. Now, format, which is the force management mo uh, module for this system, was developed by the MITRE Corporation, and it's used to support knowledge acquisition. Okay, that's data collection. That's what the NSA is performing on everyone, not just identified threats, but everyone. Why? Because the government now perceives the American people, I believe, as its greatest threat, and it will use a computer-driven military to clamp us down. Patriots will be classified as terrorists, and the true terrorists, uh, the, the um, U.S. puppet government we have out there who receives its directives and agendas from the ruling elite, they'll be deemed patriots to be protected at all costs. Makes sense. Okay, the third module in this system is known as PARCA. It's able to handle extremely complex structured queries against large knowledge bases or large databases, data dumps. Um, have you ever wondered why, or has anybody ever asked the question, why the NSA is telling everyone they're only collecting metadata or meta tags? I don't even fully understand what those things are. If you'll define them and then ask mm -hmm. that question again, it'll be easier for us to track with you. Okay, metatags meta or metadata contain virtually no information or data in and of themselves. Metatags or metadata only have, the, only have value if they're um, indexed to a much larger information source or file in these immense databases. So, you know, this is, you know, in my humble opinion, this is just another example of deception through misdirection. Oh, we're just collecting, you know, your phone numbers you're passing by, and um, we're not keeping any of your emails or your text messages or anything like that. Well, if you look at how this system is structured, that's the critical data the system needs. It doesn't need, it can't work off metadata tags and metadata. I mean, <clears throat> they're virtually empty data until they're indexed to something or something is indexed to them. Is that Good Lord. 
Go ahead. Keep going. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, G2 is, and hold on to your seat for this one, it's a self-reactive, self-adapted, self-modeling program for predictive force deployment. In other words, it can predict conflicts before they occur and react in a preemptive manner. It only thinks, okay, it kind of like, it only it thinks in the present, but it can predict future events or human activity. And these conflicts are not confined to a warfare scenario either. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the predict and preempt capabilities can also be applied to scenarios of social unrest. And that's not just my opinion. That's stated right in the reports and the, the papers right. on this software. Good okay. So let's look at some of the other key functional, functionality or capabilities um, of this system. And right now we're just talking about the Jade system because that's what everybody's concerned about right now, Jade, Jade Helm. It can make high-level trade determinations. It makes decisions regarding casualties and targets in line with the overall mission objective. Okay? It is a total command. Uh, it has total command and control in an information-intensive society. Now, from a military standpoint, the term command is more or less a legal or a behavioral standard of actions performed or not performed by military officers to which they can later be held accountable. The Jade system displaces that standard from individual commanders and places it on itself. Total command and control of all information over land, sea, airspace, and cyberspace is how they will master the human domain. It says that in the PDF slides. It says that in the software papers. Okay. It can perform machine interpretation of commander's intent. Think about that for a minute. You know, that's that's kind of, you know, let me try and put this in perspective. <laughs> yeah, listen, I don't, don't, don't hold it against me if I'm just being quiet here. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. This is, this is the deepest that we've ever gone on this subject. So bear boy, you don't have to worry about us bearing with you. Just bear with us, okay? <laughs> just, just keep going. I'm, I am all attention. Okay, I want to get back to the machine interpretation of command, commander's intent. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like... All right, I, I pull up to my house, I pull in the driveway. My intent is to go in the house and sit, you know, watch TV. Now, am I going to enter the house by smashing my truck through an exterior wall, or am I going to enter the house by getting a key off my keychain and unlocking the door? I mean, that, to me, I mean, that, that is a scary aspect. Machine interpretation of commander's intent. I wonder if that's to eliminate the possibility of any, shall we say, freelancing out there or overriding some orders or something like that. I don't know. It could be. Okay. It could be, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, this, like I 
said before, you know, the system sits on a, a global information grid, which is a, um, how can I explain this? It's a flexible, scalable, and a dynamic architecture in order to support, support multilateral civilian and military operations. This global information grid is going to be an important aspect as we go through this. Okay. Oh, here's another subheading in um, one of the papers, and it was entitled The Process of Sense-Making in Complex Human Endeavors. Quote, this approach uses a set of cognitive constructs that translates tacit knowledge to the focal knowing of the objective world. End quote. How are they accomplishing this? They're mapping your mind. That's how they're doing it. And that they are creating these maps with all of the information that's being collected on everyone regarding every aspect of their life. Macrocognition. This is the process the system uses to uh, dissect the human behavioral process. It's, cognitive and ad it's a cognitive and adaptive uh, learning uh, function and it's um, it, this I'm sorry I'm stepping all over myself here sorry. it's completely okay this okay. gives me time to catch up okay <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm embarrassed okay the, the macro cognition com component of the system like I mentioned before is a process of uh, dissecting human the human behavioral process, okay, it's cognitive and adaptive learning capabilities enables it to predict, predict intent. Now, we're not talking on the military side here. We're talking on either the enemy or civilian side, whichever way you want to look at it. So it can predict intent of an adversary or target as well as predict a range of potential behaviors of those targets and it does this instantaneously. This doesn't require a bunch of military commanders sitting around a table, you know, going back and forth. Well, how should we handle this? I don't know. I think we should do it this way. The machine's making the, the system's making the decisions for them. Oh, here's another statement that was made in the paper entitled uh, the Tuesday presentation to justify the rollout of J2. And it says, quote, for a joint commander to define an instruction set to a civilian or military joint force mission to transform a failing state to an agreed upon non-failing end state is a problem, end quote. Okay, and this section goes on to say that, you know, rapidly changing dynamics presents a cognitively difficult task for commanders and practitioners. And the system will do that too. This sounds monstrous, frankly. It doesn't even sound cool. It sounds. It is. I think it is. Scary. It, it gets. It gets worse. When you look at it. No, 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 no. I mean, when you look at it as it is not the be all and the end all. This is just a, a sub layer, a layer on top of a much larger system that's already in place. Okay. Uh, Jade can, uh, Jade too can reconfigure its own network to topography to optimize communication and data transfers. 
Um, in one of my other reports, I talked about BBN technologies, use of bandwidth extenders um, on the cellular and wireless architecture networks. Well, this is what they're referring to. Um, an example of this might look like, you know, you're driving down the road, all of a sudden you lost cell phone service in a, in a particular area or for a particular time, when in actuality your bandwidth has been reallocated to the system. Because everything, absolutely everything, communications, everything else is tied into that global information grid. All right, another command and control problem that these concept papers, they're not even concept papers because the, the, the software is being used now. Okay. Uh, the, another command and control problem this system is designed to handle is the fact that the enemy has always been able to adapt to a rapidly changing environment to hide itself from exposure. In order to combat this problem, okay, the kill chain had to be compressed from hours to seconds. The system removes the administrative delay in the kill chain. It has no moral compass, no empathy, or regrets. Wow. Okay. It, no it, empathy it, or regrets. No, it's it's a computer program. I don't think care. they've bothered to program that in. It's just like your gun. It doesn't care. Right, okay, right. Gotcha. It, it, it depends who's putting the directives in it. Yep. Mm. And I, um, it's intended to achieve dominance of cyberspace, cyber power, and cyber strategy. This capability will continue to evolve, even though key technical, social, and information trends begin to stabilize. Okay. Okay. It'll capitalize on social engineering for offensive military and civilian operations. In other words, um, this is a technical approach to the tactics employed in Nazi Germany by the Stasi, the brown shirts, and the SS. This is just a technological version of those so social engineering tactics they used then. It's a, um, it has a sophisticated decision support system for crowd control. And with the growing civil unrest, not only here in America, but around the world, this is going to be an, inter an integral aspect of J2's deployment on the civilian population. Okay. Okay, now, keep it, um, well, let me just say this and then, you know, move on to another section here. The hardware that this system's running on isn't your run-of-the-mill supercomputer, right? Um, your run-of-the-mill supercomputer. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's not a cray. It's nothing like that. It's going to be running thousands of processors on a single chip. This is, without a doubt, the direction these command and control systems are moving toward. You just can't process the uh, vast amounts of data being collected using conventional linear computing technology. You know, you get to a diminishing point of return at, at, at some stage of the game here with these data dumps. <clears throat> this is very disturbing. Now, can you hold your, your can you hold your train of thought while I pop in and out? Sure. It seems to me, DJ, that this is why 
while people are going, now, why would Obama or whomever is pulling this chain? Why would they fire all these highly competent military officers? Why are they firing these people who said they won't fire on U.S. citizens? Here at the TD Ameritrade Trader Group, they work all the time. What's up, JJ? Working hard? Working 24-7 on Mobile Trader, rated number one trading app in the App Store. It lets you trade stocks, options, futures, even advanced orders. And it offers more charts than a lot of the other competitors do in desktop. You work so late, I guess you don't get to see your family very much. I see them all the time. Did you finish your derivative pricing model, honey? For all the confidence you need, TD Ameritrade, you got this. Why are they because we don't need them anymore? Because somebody who's completely okay with that is going to uh, make use of this computer apparatus to do the dirty work that they want to do that these people who have been fired would not do. I think you're exactly right. Carry on, my dear. Okay. Well, this you're going to find it interesting. It develops virtual models based on the repetitive types of crimes that can predict future crimes that have not yet been committed by either individuals or groups in the COA or the civilian operation area, and then execute a course of action, a preemptive course of action. This is Minority Report's pre-crime technology. Okay. Um, okay, we can sum up the J2 system this way. I guess um, it's, a, it's a self-organizing, vision-capable, expectation-capable, recognition-capable, situationally aware, emotional, intelligent, goal-oriented system. The system thinks, plans, and executes. Okay, now when I was doing, um, if I can share this with you, when I was doing the research on all of this, I kept recalling uh, this demonstration that was put on by these MIT software engineers in the beginning days of AI, so it was probably about 20, 25 years ago, and they created a CGI, computer-generated image, of a lamp on a standalone computer. They assigned the CGI, the lamp, okay, certain information regarding the material. It was made of natural laws like gravity and balance, and their goal was using the AI model to teach it, or more specifically, to have it learn how to dance. I know that sounds crazy, but these are, you know, MIT guys. So um, not much was happening during the first few hours. They were running the program. So they kind of left the lab, went out, got something for lunch, went back to the dorms. When they returned to the lab the next morning, the lamp, okay, was twisting and spinning around on the computer screen. The engineers, although they were absolutely delighted that their experiment worked, issued a dire warning about putting this type of, of AI technology out, or I should say unleashing this technology, on a distributed network. That CGI lamp 
okay, was able to learn and evolve in 24 hours what it would have taken humans a thousand generations to accomplish. Jesus, excuse me, did I say that? Sorry. Sorry. A so, thousand generations. Generations, not years. A thousand generations to accomplish. Uh, so it's it's. I feel like DiCaprio depicting Howard Hughes in the Aviator. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> a thousand generations. Mm. Good Lord, that's amazing. Well, I know, but okay, it's, it's also amazing that that warning hasn't been heeded. I'm I'm quaking in my boots almost. Go ahead, let us have some more. Might might as well give give us everything. Good grief. Okay. Well, why why do you think so much hype is being generated about the Jade Helm 15 exercise? Well, because there's so much secrecy around it. It's, it involves so many people. It started off uh, with the five states, went to seven. I think I heard it climb as high as nine, and it backed back down to seven. And what really got our attention in this part of the world was that Texas was designated a hostile state along with Utah. Oh, where did they get that stuff anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also, I think, the largest concentration of, of uh, go, go, blah, 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 gun owners in the southwest than any other region of the nation. Now, I'm not positive about that, but I believe... I read a blurb about that somewhere, someplace. Yeah, there's a lot of shooting irons around. It's true. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, my take on this, based on what I've learned, is that there's a lot of real concern regarding this exercise, and the concerns being, expre- uh, being expressed by people are valid. Um, at first, I didn't get too worried about the Jade 15 exercise. I mean, I lived in New Mexico for 17 years, and as long as I can remember out there, the Blue Helmets were conducting exercises in the national parks and in the, the open space, you know, playing soldier games out there. Yes. And then I came upon that SOCOM PDF that's now all over the inter- Internet, which kind of like got me into digging deeper and deeper into this thing. I came across that in early March and was somewhat un- unnerved by the information it contained. Now, I come from... a a family of military. Everybody's everybody's in the military. Um, my son is in the military right now, serving active duty. But never before has a military exercise of this scale been conducted among the civilian population here in the States. Now, in early April, I had to fly back to Albuquerque, and as we were taxiing to the gate, I noticed scores and scores of Ospreys, Blackhawks, and some Apaches on the Kirtland tarmacs there because that Air Force base and the commercial airport sort of like butt up in the middle there. You know, the military's on one side and the commercial aircraft's on the other. But what struck me as odd was that um, all of the military aircraft were all painted in like a flat black paint with no markings whatsoever on them. So it's not odd to see military air- aircraft at an Air Force base, but for as long as I can remember, they were either gray, camo tan, or camo green. Okay, and I stopped to visit a friend of mine in Albuquerque who's a, he's a retired full bird Air Force colonel, and he filled me in on the, the paint and the absence of markings, 
stated, you know, they'll do that when they're going to be running special operations. They just paint the aircraft back black and take all the markings off it. And, um, and I asked him if he had heard anything about, you know, this Chase Helm exercise in the area. And he said he hadn't, not too much. So I filled him in, and he told me, well, you know, DJ, you must have understood whatever you read or what you heard. And then I showed him the SOCOM PDF, and as he sat there reading it, you know, he was getting these big furrows in his forehead, and he was just frowning more and more, and he just sat, sat there shaking his head saying, you can't do this. I mean, this man, you know, I've known him for years and years and years. He's career military. He loves this country. And he's deeply troubled about how far we've fallen. So, anyway, to, to sum that part of it up, you know, I think the hyper-concern over this exercise is genuine, but I think it's also intentional. Yeah. The fear and the anxiety and the uncertainty and the secrecy, like you mentioned, of the exercise is being expressed over the Internet, through social media and communications networks, and this data is being collected, all being harvested. I'm pretty sure we're on a list somewhere. Probably. <laughs> yeah. It's what funny. It's funny uh -huh. how they, they manipulate to their own to their own ends. Any kind of, I mean, this this is really academic when you when you analyze it just a little closer than than layman's level. And that makes perfect sense. How will they react to what we do? How can we use that to our advantage? Well, if it won't work, how can how can we make a little enhancement there so that it will work to our advantage. They've got nothing to do all day except, except sit around and think about these things. They're brilliant people, uh, evil geniuses in some ways, and, and they have nothing to do except examine all these possibilities. And they have computers to assist them and limitless amounts of taxpayer dollars to play with. It's a, I'm sure it's a happy hunting ground for that kind of uh, research. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been... Um following any of the explanations regarding this exercise by these spokesmen from SOCOM? Not really. No? No. Because I, 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 I know they're not terrible. going to tell us the truth no matter what. So, I mean, why bother? No. No, they're not. But, I mean, if you just look at how absurd they are. First, First, the fact that they're conducting what's supposed to be a realistic military training exercise with only... 12 to 1,600 Special Forces troops over an area that encompasses about 25% of the landmass of America is crazy. Yeah, I figured they were lying about that. Yeah. So either that's not what they're doing because they don't have enough troops, or they're going to be employing a lot more troops than 1,600, and they're just not telling us. That's or, one possibility. Or the, third, or, or the other possibility, which is that... Uh, 1,200 troops is all we need when we roll out this monstrous technological marvel of ours, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, now, second, the second brilliant explanation that came out of the mouth of one of those guys uh, speaking down in Texas says that the Southwest was chosen because of the, because the physical terrain is very similar to the Middle East. So then... Why have they brought in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Florida into the exercise? Because of the barbecue and the fish, I guess. 
I guess. Yeah. And I guess the oasis is out in the desert. And uh, <laughs> this this last one is pretty funny, too. Um, it was stated that these training exercises are necessary to better prepare our troops for unconventional warfare overseas. Now, first of all, Jake Helm is not a new concept, okay? It was used in Iraq and Afghanistan in 2012 and 2013. I read the unclassified or declassified mission reports after the Jade Helm operation was executed over there, and it was touted as a huge success. Okay, it's my understanding when the military successfully performs an operation as they did with Jade Helm in 2012, okay, it becomes a warfare policy or doctrine or strategy. So why the need to train for it again on American soil among Americans? people. Okay, the, the line of bullocks that we're being fed coming out of the public relations spokesman for this exercise that we have to better prepare our troops to blend in with the indigenous people in foreign countries is absurd. Yeah, First after we've been over in foreign countries for 12 years, specifically yeah. in the Middle East, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, not only that, but how is training U.S. troops to blend in among U.S. citizens that look like them, talk like them, have the same cultural memes, memes as they do, going to help them to better blend in overseas with people who don't look like them, don't speak the language, or have the same cultural memes. I mean, they must really think we're idiots. Well, I was driving in traffic today. I think they may be right because a thunderstorm came up and people were panicking over six inches uh, of uh, running water across the street, just, you know, afraid they're going to be swept away. So, I don't know. They, they may have something there. I'm embarrassed to say they, they, they may think of, of us as idiots because we very well may be idiots. I would submit to you that we are. We wouldn't, probably wouldn't find ourselves in the position that we're in now. But anyway, yeah, that's very true. I digress slightly. Sorry. No, that's, that's a very important point I think you just made. So, anyway, going back to this, Jade, Jade 2 software in conjunction with the Jade Helm 15 exercise. Why do I think it's being, what do I think is going on? I think this thing is, among other things, that it could be, is a giant psyop. Okay, and that's not to rule out the possibility of this whole exercise at, at some point going live. It's um, creating through hype and hysteria and secrecy and, and anxiety. It's creating a range of emotional responses on the civilian side as well as a force management planning response on the military side. You know, because as we've said over and over again, you know, the, they're collecting data, all data, not some data, all data on everyone. Okay, the Jade Helm program, in, in my humble opinion, okay, is what we're seeing is a system rollout. J2's been tested in limited areas in the past. And if I recall the papers, uh, one of the papers I read indicated it was tested in Haiti during the earthquake. And I don't have, you know, that paper in front of me right now, but I think it was also used during Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Sandy. And, 
you know, I think this exercise is, like I said before, among other horrific possible intentions, it's a system rollout, okay? They're going to be running it through its paces, see how well it performs over a large geographic area with a dynamic human terrain. I mean, they're causing fear, okay? And if something goes sideways with this exercise, if people die or there's an extensive loss or damage to private property, they're going to offer up some soldier and some commanding officer for the chopping block, and we're never going to hear anything about any of these casualty losses were due to a programming error or a problem with its thinking and execution function. That's good thinking, DJ. Yep. And they're going to come, they got their tracks covered already. I mean, this, this thing's been planned. I think they, I think they think they have their ducks all in a line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, remember how we, you know, we mentioned earlier, we briefly touched on the global information grid. Yes. Or the GIG. Okay. Jade doesn't bode well for the people in what we know of it right now. But G2 is part of um, a much larger command and control system that goes beyond military applications. Um, it's called GEOID. Let me spell that. It's capital G-E-O, capital I, capital N, capital T. It's the Geospatial Intelligence Network. It's everything J2 and more. It's global in, in scope and everything regarding communications, the Internet, social media platforms, just about everything now. If something has the word smart in front of it, smart grid, smart, um, smart meters, smart appliances, yeah, smart phone, smart right. TV, smart whatever. Yeah. They're all, they're all plugged into that grid, all of these things. Mm -hmm. So what role then does GEOIN or the Geospatial Intelligence Network play in a bigger picture? And what I've been able to find is that GEOIN is a tool for the proponents of global government in order for them to cast a neural net over humanity. How, how are they going to do that? I mean, humanity is 7 billion people. So how do you control 7 billion people? Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it. By having them inhale nanoparticles of metal to get them all turned into little antennas and then broadcast to them. That's one possibility. <laughs> but if you can control the environment they live in, you can control them. Yep. What GEOIN is, it's a com complete all-encompassing command and control system. This program or technology has found a way to circumvent humanity's resistance to RFID or microchipping the global population. Remember the uproar about that? Yeah. You know, mark of the beast and don't take it and don't take it. You won't be able to trade or anything. If, if, if you don't have this chip, you won't, you know, the world as you know it will end if you don't take this chip. Well, this particular geospatial intelligence technology surpasses RFID as RFID is a transmitter receiver and it can be disabled or removed 
When people are used as physical geolocated nodes on a network in a human terrain system, how do you remove that? Okay, nodes, let me explain it to, try and explain it this way, John. Um, nodes can be re removed on a network. For example, I'm sitting here in my office and my printer over there um, is a node on my network. Now I can go over and I can unplug that Ethernet cable. Now my computer system, if I look at my network map, that printer doesn't exist. doesn't exist. I can't communicate with it. It can't communicate with me. I can't maintenance it. Nothing. It's not there. But I'm looking at it. It's sitting right there on my desk, but it's not recognized by the, the network. So if human beings are being going to be used as nodes on this geospatial intelligence network, they can be removed just as easily with no impact on the network whatsoever. Removed how? Just connect them. Erase everything about their data and eliminate the connectivity they have to the global information grid. I mean, look at what they're trying to do now. I mean, there's legislation before Congress to eliminate cash. Okay, everything has to be transacted um, electronically. So you remove that capability by removing the human node, or I should say you remove the human node by removing that capability, communications capability, earnings capability, everything. Um, they people, simply cease to exist. As far as the network is concerned, yes. I mean, it's like Stalin on steroids, where they would go into a family home and they would destroy the pictures, go down to the courthouse there, get rid of the school records, the photographs, the birth certificates, all of that, the driver's licenses, all gone. It's as though they have been erased from existence. Exactly. Only this is even better. Or worse. Well, I mean, more effective. That's what I mean by better. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to qualify that, please. <laughs> People, I mean, their plan, they're they're... The big plan on this thing is that people will be reduced to the sum total of um, the data that's been collected on them. So how do you remove who you are? How do you re what is who you are? It's the people you know, your family and personal relationships, financial profile, education, all that about, political, religious, personal interests and associations, travel and transportation habits, and the list goes on. It's everything about your activity. All the information, activity-based information, okay? Uh, they've been constructing this neural net for a number of years, and it's being supported and distributed by multinational intelligence collaboration, domestic Interagency intelligence collaboration. This is your police, sheriff's department, emergency responders, all that. By the proponents of global governance, one one world order, one world government. This is very sobering. It's one thing if you think it, but when you're confronted with evidence that suggests that uh, it's more than just a thought. That it is. Oh, these are not my thoughts, John. The, all of this information I'm presenting has I, I've gone through several hundred 
pieces of paper in documents, reports, system concepts, system development, software capabilities, the whole nine yards. This is what they're telling each other this stuff does. Okay? I'm just relaying this to you. Oh, I, I understand. I, did, I, didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't mean to suggest that you were, well, yeah, I didn't mean to suggest these were your thoughts. This is your analysis of their thoughts and their creation. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, the GON system or network, and this is a common, um, the phrase mastering the human domain also appears hundreds of times throughout these papers for GON, as well as for the J2 software, the, as well as for the J15. The, the, the domain part, that confuses me just a little bit. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I thought the domain is, uh, well, it is domain rather than domicile. So, so spell it out for us, DJ. What is meant by domain? All right. The, the domain is, from the GON standpoint and from the J2 standpoint, it's it works based off three concepts, okay? Human dynamics, human terrain, and human geography, okay? They're digitizing all of this data on this information. Domestic threat centers, uh, what are they called? Threat, threat assessment centers? Yeah that have popped up in every state in the country now, and that some states have multiple uh, threat assessment centers in them. They're not just here in the U.S. They're global, and they're an integral part of this program from a data collection standpoint. Okay? They will be exploiting the human dynamics of the people of a region or nation-centric population area which would be your large cities or your large cultural regions, that type of thing. Uh, they're going to do this through the use of ABI, which I briefly mentioned before. And what ABI is, it's activity-based intelligence gathered from where? From open source data. What's open source data? Places like Facebook, LinkedIn, the Internet, cloud computing, cloud storage, social networking platforms, cell phones, and the list goes on, okay? Um, ABI is defined as all aspects of human activity. It's the presence of activities, transactions, both physical and virtual, okay? Cultural, structural organizations, uh, networks, and their interrelationships with each other, motivation, intent, vulnerabilities and capabilities of humans as single individuals or as groups or in the context of large population-centric areas across all domains of the operational environment, air, land, sea space, and cyberspace. Okay? All collected data, and get this, all collected data is to be geolocated to a specific spot on the earth and then tied to a human node on the network. Remember you asked before, well, how, how, how did they unplug you from the network? Yep. That's how. Okay, this process um, in, the, in the realm of uh, geo-in is, is known as geo-referencing. 
okay, the philosophy module in this beast, okay, which is an extension of the AI foundation, is using two rather ominous or juxtaposition concepts that I really don't understand, but I'm going to throw them out there anyway and try and explain them in, in case somebody in your audience understands this better and can correct me on this. Those two concepts are data neutrality and sequence neutrality. Okay? Data neutrality it, um, means that all data is equally viable in the analytic process of ABI, activity-based intelligence. Let me see if I can explain that. Okay. Uh, it's like you have three people and you tell them, you put them up against a house, a building, okay? But they can only stand one inch from that building. And one person is an inch from a glass window, another person is an inch from uh, the brick wall, another person's an inch from the molding around the front door, okay? Now, what this says to me, this data neutrality, all data is equally viable, each of those three people are going to describe it in their being. None of it is correct, okay, in as far as each of them are actually looking at a, at a building, okay, but each person's description is equally valid in as to what they're describing to you. Mm. Did I? Okay. What did you just hear? What did I just hear? Yeah, did you just hear something? Because you went, okay, I heard a little... I heard a little noise, and then, and then I heard you go, hmm. no, ghost is shaking his head, okay, no anomalies, all right, fine, I'm imagining things, okay, <laughs> carry on. Okay, now, sequence neutrality states that um, not only is all data viable, as we pointed out with the example of the three people looking at the house or the building from one inch away, but no matter how the data is sequenced, okay, um, it has equal value. And let me try and explain this. For example, take these two sentences. Will you do it, which is an action string or an action sequence of words. Will you do it? And do you will it, which is an intent. Those words are sequenced in a way that it is projecting intent. Yes. Now, in this, concept that this system is using, both of these data sets have equal value even though the original phrase was or may have been, it will do you. Okay? Do you see how, I don't know, I see potential just for great, great, great logic problems with this. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do too. Because you're saying sequence neutrality, meaning all of the sequences have equal value. Is that correct? Right. No matter how the data is arranged in it. So we use, just use an ex example using words as data in a string or a sequence. All three of those uh, four or five word sentences, okay, have different values in the meaning and even different actions 
in the value of those meetings, one being an action and one being an intent. See what I mean? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Trying, trying very feebly to, to communicate here. No, no, we're getting it. It's a, it's a huge concept. Just, just keep rolling. You're doing great. Okay. Um, and then uh, they, they go on to further explain that this is how the system is able to generate answers to questions that haven't been asked. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. They said this. This is right in the papers. I mean, I, mean, I would say that this, this is actually generating answers to questions that never existed in the first place. If you take it one step further down the road, yes. You know. So I, I don't know. I think uh, you know. I think some of these concepts, at least the way I read them and understood them, are very ominous. I, I mean, this thing. I can see this thing going sideways. It's like a god. It's like an artificial god mind or something. Oh my god! You just hit on something that I wasn't going to talk about till the end. <laughs> this is okay. We can say okay. the end if you want to. But the ABI, um, or the Activity-Based Intelligence uh, System, which is the driving force behind the artificial intelligence architecture, breaks the human domain down into, into four main categories. And this, again, John, goes back to bulk data collection. Okay, those four categories are the biographical data. That's who you are. Um, individual activity data, which is what you do. Relational data, which is who you know, family members, personal relationships, organization memberships, you know, religious affiliations, all that kind of stuff. The last and most important, and this one is key, contextual data, information about the environment in which the entity or you or me, the human network node, is found. Excuse me. That would be demographics political environment, cultural norms, social interactions, tribal customs. It's the glue in the ABI's ability to map the human domain. That's what that contextual data set is. Okay. Do you remember, um, do you remember the Obama phone scandal? Yes. You know, and that big fat lady, you know, I got my old Bobba phone, Bobba gave me a phone. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. She, yeah, she later went, well, that ain't happened. <laughs> yeah, she later was not very happy with um, <laughs> I guess she didn't get her car or her house or whatever. But anyway, this was a means, okay, to put the required technology into the hands of people who couldn't afford it so that they, too, could be tracked on this global information grid. It doesn't stop there, though. Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, okay, just announced that um, they're both on a quest to bring the Internet and Zuckerberg with his Facebook and wireless cell phone technology to the people of third world nations. Now, what do you think an African tribe is going to do out there sitting in, in you know, do, using Facebook? But that, that's their goal. I mean, they they. they want to do this. This is a quest. Well, I hope both of those idiots go to sub-Saharan Africa and, and run into some cannibals and wind up in the pot. <laughs> that would be excellent. And somebody puts that on Facebook. <laughs> yes, and they put it on Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but, you know, 
and I have to tell you, I actually clicked at the time I was hearing about this, and until recently, it all just started pulling together, okay? Um, do you think they're doing this out of compassion or out of the goodness of their heart? No, the plan is to data collect and track every person and every piece of data associated with them on the planet, or if not everyone, as many of them as they can, and then, you know, screw everybody else, I guess. You know, that's Pretty much. Can't pardon me. Yeah. Um, okay, one of the, the um, presenters commented flat out, and, and this is on the uh, GEOINT symposium, this particular uh, um, symposium I'm referring to was two hours long, but he said, and quote, if you're not collecting all data, you're not going to get a good human terrain, end quote. This is GEOINT. If you're not collecting all the data, you're not all going data. to get a good human terrain print? Human terrain. Oh, just a good I mean, human terrain. Okay, gotcha. Right, I right. the words. Right. A human terrain map or topography or tool. Okay, you're not going to get it. You know, it'll, it'll be flawed. So you have to have all the data, or we might as well have none of the data. Yes. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Um, the system is able to decode coded information to find the signal in the noise. Now, this gets into a very interesting area as well. Translation, data encryption is no longer an issue for them. There will be no aspect of privacy on this system. All right. Okay. You know what I think we better do? I think we'd better pause for five minutes. I, I need to go and let the helium out of my head. I feel oh. like Moses coming down from the mountain. You know, after being in, I feel like Moses. Those, 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 those depictions in ancient art of Moses coming down from the mountain, his head's about three times the size it was when he went up there. That's how I feel right now. I apologize. I tried to simplify this, you know. Um, no, you're doing I tried beautifully. I to shrink it down, you know, because it was so much. Data. It was so much. That's, that's, like, that's like getting the Cliff Notes version of the Bible. You can't do it. Uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> let's just pause for five minutes and resume, okay? Okay, sounds good. Okay, stretch your legs, get a drink of water, and we'll be back in five. This is this is amazing, DJ. Don't make any mistake about that. We're we're me and the crew are looking at each other like, are you getting this? And we're looking back at each other like, uh, yeah, I think, I think so. I've got. Uh, I've, I've, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do some head wrapping here. I hope I don't wind up with an elongated skull. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I kind of need to wrap it sort of tightly there. So my, my, well, anyway, you just carry on. We'll hang with you. Okay. An uh, another uh, portion of the GEOINT symposium um, that I picked up on was the fact that there are emerging new professional fields coming out of this massive, massive technology. They're on. Un they're unrolling. I shouldn't say unrolling. It's already rolled out. I don't think it's all connected up yet. I don't think the the proverbial switch has been flipped. But uh, two of those interesting emerging fields were what they call human geographers and human cartographers, and these are just a couple of the new prof uh, professions that have been identified and staffed already in these, I can't even call it uh, organization, GeoNet, uh, 
geoint. I mean, I think it goes way beyond that. But these positions that have already been staffed, and their role is to develop a, a tapestry, so to speak, of all aspects of human behavior, human emotion, and reactions. Okay. Uh, a common tagline or a theme throughout the GeoInt Symposium, the two-hour symposium, the papers that are available online and that, and that's this, and I find this very troubling, okay, is that there are currently too many people involved at the geopolitical level, and what they're specifically referencing uh, is government and military decision-making authorities to determine who is actually in charge. Right? This is a problem for them. So they intend to eliminate this uncertainty by placing an AI-based network-centric global system in charge. We were not meant to be sick. We were meant to thrive. We were not meant to suffer or worry or fear. Life is short, and we were meant to breathe deeply, age gracefully, to run swiftly, and love unconditionally. At St. Rita's and Mercy Health, we hail from quiet towns and big cities. But where geography divides us, our mission unites us. To work compassionately, to give selflessly, to heal expertly and strive endlessly. Joined in care, we bring state-of-the-art technology and experts in more than 100 specialties to 23 hospitals across Ohio and Kentucky. We were not meant to be idle. We were meant to learn, to believe, to live. We are St. Rita's Health Partners and Mercy Health, caring together. And this is what we were meant to do. Sounds like Skynet out of Terminator, doesn't it? Yeah, or the Borg out of Star Trek or yes, something. Yes, or, or both. A combination. A combo. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the the fact that the system can and will be used to kill people was also addressed in the symposium, and this was emphasized in a statement by one presenter stating, "Quote: That's the price you pay for the advancement of this technology, and we're willing to make those sacrifices." End quote. What exactly does that mean? It means that they know that the system, you know, in its testing phases, is, this is what I think it means. They know that the system, uh, due to its advanced technological capabilities that it can perform, is going to make occasional mistakes. I don't know, programming errors, whatever. And it's going to kill people accidentally. But, you know, we're willing to pay that price until we get this right. That's what I think they're saying. That's kind of what it sounded like, yeah. Okay. Um, it, you know, I mean, this is just hairy. It depicts crisis, it can depict crisis resolution and pre-crisis action, just like the Jade 2 system in the Jade Helm 15 exercise can do. This, um, the segment that was presented by uh, Doug Weinstein, remember him? He was a 
Office of the Undersecretary of Defense Intelligence. Uh, he stated that there is a growing need for more data collection to better define the human dimension or human terrain. Okay, the, the latest, I think, you know, the, the latest mainstream media and political hype, you know, that we're hearing regarding the NSA spying, it, it's being removed from the Patriot Act, that's a smokescreen. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. Actually, it's an outright lie. The network architecture is already in place, and the data dumps are being done automatically now by this grid. Okay? Computer systems don't abide by legislation. They didn't spend billions of dollars on this technology only to pass a law demanding we shut it down. NSA data collection is not going away. It's being taken over by the geospatial intelligence network and everything plugged into it. Boy. Okay, GeoInt's main objective, and I know I've said this before, and at the, at the risk of repeating myself, it's to achieve centralized command and control over humanity. Every human will become a node and a sensor on the GOG from a network-centric standpoint and from a material or a physical standpoint, uh, they'll become a human inventory item in the system. Uh, this, oh, the system's also been collecting biometric data on everyone. Okay, this is required so that every human sensor or node on the network will have its own unique bio-API or biological application program interface. And this is how they'll circumvent the RFID or microchipping that we talked about earlier. Okay, the system, uh, you know, it'll develop and execute directives based on its interpretation of political will. What is, you know, what's that? It will develop and execute directives, its own directives, based on its interpretation of political will. They're not referencing the political will of nation states. There won't be any. They're talking about the political will of one global centralized government. You bet. That's exactly what this is. Okay. Um, as you know, and again, at the risk of sounding redundant, predictive software or AI is at the core of this GeoInt system, just like in the J2 software system that I had done a report on a, a while ago. Um, same technology, bigger scope. Okay, the system's able to change natural outcomes of human activity by predicting human behavior and reacting to it before it occurs. Think about that for a minute. Predict human behavior and react to it before it occurs. Now, they're serious about this. They have two technologies on the books and 
both of these technologies are significant and they're interconnected to several other um, um, policies, executive orders, programs, military systems, this geoint system uh, in a couple of different ways. They're called edge and illicit. Okay, I can explain them to you, but they're kind of boring. Um, they're key components for this prediction and reaction. And um, they're referenced not only in the J2 final report, but also in the 1033 program. And they are also referenced in Executive Order uh, 13684, which is 21st Century Policing of America and Intelligent-Led Policing too. This is key technology. What EDGE is, or what it does, I'm going to try and condense down dozens and dozens of pages. It formulates that fine line in the human nodes on the network, okay, the, the, those fine boundaries of the node that's you, that connects you to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else, okay? That's basically what the EDGE technology does. Now, illicit is um, a little different. Um, it's a think tank collab uh, collaboration. It is for information sharing and trust between law enforcement, community organizers, emer emergency responders, and um, things of that sort. You know, your domestic keeping tools. Yeah. Uh, the, the illicit platform is the main theme in the 1033 program and in Executive Order 13684, which is Obama's vision for America, also known as 21st Century Policing, right? This concept, this think tank-based initiative, is a paramount to the Stasi in Nazi Germany with an added dose of network-centric technology and military-grade equipment being thrown into the mix just for fun. And they're referenced, they're referenced in those orders and those, those policing programs. Unbelievable. There was an entire segment of this symposium that focused on the harvesting of all commercial data. What? So I had to read on that more and dig more into this. I mean, it started raising the question, you know, I wonder why no one's been allowed to read the TPPP, the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement, yep. and then they tried to fast-track it through Congress with mm -hmm. nobody even reading it. I mean, since that didn't go as planned, they've now repackaged it, and they're trying to fast-track it through under the title of the TPA. I think these things tie in definitely. Oh, absolutely they do. And, and, and in fact, there was a, there was a report um, about the, one of the, the main shields for this, uh, a woman who was trying to get um, you know, some of the other people in Congress to go along with it, uh, admitted that uh, she had not read it at all. <laughs> Amazing. 
Amazing. The one thing these people are paid to do up there, they're falling on their face on. I mean, it's the one thing they're supposed to do, pass legislation. And they're not even reading it. You know, it's just it's a matter of some speculation as to who exactly is holding what size gun to these people's heads because, you know, oh, you know, the Senate got overturned and now oh, the Republicans are in control and they're, they're not doing anything differently than anybody else with, with a couple of exceptions. At least Rand Paul has said, uh, you need to make the text public. So we'll see how far he gets with that. And it appears that, you know, there are some setbacks in uh, the Obamacare thing and some, some other things, but, um, but good grief. I mean, largely they're, they're just useless. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to have an IQ over about 62 to figure out that these, these people aren't making any decisions on their own. No. They're being manipulated by somebody else because, because they bumble too much. They're, there's nothing smooth about their presentation or their, you know, they, they, they go out with a bold statement and then they have to retract it and they're just kind of like they're standing there just blithering. It doesn't even make their explanations make no sense. And, and that only happens, in my experience, when you don't really know how deep the waters are that you're swimming in, but you've just been given a signal that you need to change course and, and also change depth a little bit, but you have no idea how, how deep it is, really, and you don't know who's given the orders. You, mm-hmm. ju- you just know that you better take them. But that's how they, that's how they react, in, in my view. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's pretty obvious to most people now that, these most of these people up there um, are not under their own control. I mean, they're, they're getting their marching orders and their directives and their agendas from someplace else. Well, you know, it's, and it's not the American people. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it says right here. This is a fresh headline. It's going right across uh, the, the Drudge Report. The um, Republicans rush vote on Obama trade before anyone reads it. Well, there you go. The Republicans. I mean, how many times do we have to be lied to about so many different things before we just stand up and say, enough, enough, we're not taking this anymore. I'm, but, just, I'm just wondering what the future of a revolution is. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Know, Maybe if we it doesn't look very bright. No, it doesn't. In the context of this. No, not at all. It's like, oh. No, you can't do any of those things. What do you mean we can't dissent? No. We can't revolt? No. We can't protest? Mm, no. Uh, okay, what do we do? Conform at once, or we will delete you. Node. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lord. Okay, carry on, my dear. Okay. Well, we talked about, you know, massive data collection to ad nauseum. In, in, in this report here, but they're not, they're not only collecting data using the methods we already know about in order to populate these huge data dump facilities like the one in Bluffdale. They're now also employing technology called dirt boxes. Have you heard of those? Which boxes? Dirt. Dirt boxes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I did see the term pop up, but, but I went past it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this technology is installed on private planes, and in a single sweep, they can pull information from tens of 
thousands of cell phones. I'm not just talking about your phone number and where your phone is on the GPS coordinates. I'm talking about all the data stored on your phone, your mobile banking information, Facebook, social media networking files, passwords to secure applications, the applications on your phone, sites you may have uh, stored on there, in addition to all the other stuff we know they're collecting on us. So now they've got these, this dirt box technology, and it's a piece of hardware that they're using private planes, you know, flying over neighborhoods, up and down roads, mostly in populated areas because the more concentrated the um, technology is in a particular area, the more they're going to scoop up on, on a sweep with these dirt boxes. And then these, that information is all going into the data dump as well. So mastering the human domain, okay, and this is, again, we're in the context of GEOINT now, okay, represents a shift in focus from nation states to individuals. GEOINT will put a clamp down on individuals, groups, or population-centric areas before an event, demonstration, or rebellion, just like you mentioned, can occur. Okay, the lines between uh, the military and the government haven't just been blurred. They've been removed with this system. They're, if there is still any doubt about this, I'd like to read this from the SOCOM RSOF 2022 report regarding command and control of the human domain. Okay? Quote, quote, while the rise of non-state transitional actors will serve to complicate U.S. government actions throughout undergoverned nations, we cannot afford to discount the actions of state-sponsored actors who operate much like other violent extremist organizations only with the state's direction and support. Countries where state-sponsored, non-state, and transnational actors operate typically have weak, corrupt central governments, high unemployment, high poverty level levels, limited or failing in infrastructure, deep ethnic and religious divisions, and a history of humanitarian issues, end quote. Sound like any place you know? Mm, sounds like the Middle East, and it sounds like ISIS. Sounds like here, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, ISIS is here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. ISIS is everywhere and nowhere. As the, everywhere. As the black guy said yesterday, it's, it ain't ISIS, it's us. Us. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so so why are they why are they even contemplating uh, dropping this neural net on humanity? I mean, why do you think this is even an issue? I'm asking because I, I want to know what you think. In the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. I have to go back to the Holy Scriptures because all of this is, this is written uh, in the Holy Scriptures known as the Bible. Of course,
course, the moment that you say that, it's like, oh, one of those guys. It's like, yes, one of those guys. Uh, one of those guys who knows all the words, tries very hard not to use them as much as I would like to. But uh, other than that, the enslavement of humanity, hmm, I'm thinking that qualifies as evil. Yeah. And particularly when it when it's done under the guise of we're prepared to lose a few people here and there, but you know it's like the that that time worn phrase about the forest fire ah from the blackened floor of the forest will sprout new life. It'll be beautiful. It'll be a beautiful thing, and you'll soon forget about the horror of the extermination of everything that lived in that forest before the fire, and and the horror that that occurred during the fire. Everything will be fine in the end. It's all part of our plan. It uh, it just sounds nuts, but you may have an entirely different take on it, so let it rip. No, I totally agree with you, and I pretty much think that that is one of the main concepts behind Agenda 21 as well. I mean, what what I think is happening, and they're getting ready to do this, is that one reason is that people are awakening at an accelerated pace yes. right now. I mean, seven years ago, if you would have told me or 10 years ago, you know, um, you know, you could talk to 10 people and three of them, you know, you could talk to them about these conspiracies. I won't even call them theories. Uh, you could talk about these conspiracies. Seven out of 10 of them will think you're an idiot. Well, now it's like seven out of 10 of them will probably agree, agree with you. That may be a high estimate, but I think you get my drift. Okay. I do. Uh, I think and, you're right. The lies and deceit by way of misdirection have, are, are, they're having less and less impact on the general population, and they're aware of this. They know this. Their propaganda machines are breaking down. <clears throat> it was, it was uh, William Casey, retired director of the CIA. He stated, and I quote, but I'm <clears throat> paraphrasing here, is that, we will know our operation, and I believe the operation he was referring to was Operation Mockingbird, yes. has succeeded when everything the people know is false. That came out of the mouth of the outgoing director of the CIA. Yeah, and, and isn't it interesting that, that you say that, and, and it dovetails nicely into um, the recent revelation that inflicting propaganda on the American people is perfectly legal and perfectly acceptable. And they said so. What did Nancy Pelosi say? Which time? Oh, yeah, right. Well, it's not against the law to lie. Mm -hmm. Did she really say that? Yes, she did. Now, they were asking her uh, about something along those lines, about propaganda and not telling the American people the full truth. And maybe even had something to do with Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. And, of course, she was out there beating the drums. Yeah, we've got to go blow them up and before they blow us up. And, you know, they asked her, well, wasn't that just a lie? I mean, if you knew, if you had the information. And her response was, oh, well, it's not against the law to lie. You know, she is a monstrous excuse of a, of a, of a human being, in my opinion. Oh. Seriously, and I'll just state that for the record. Nancy. Well, I totally agree. It's disgusting. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Anyway, the... the the bottom line is they're losing the battle for our minds. You know, people, you know, 
slowly as it's taken to happen, they're starting to be able to connect the dots themselves, and they're starting to develop some modicum of being able to think for themselves and that not have to be told by a TV set or a Barbie doll news anchor, you know, what they're supposed to be thinking and feeling and buying and wearing and, you know, voting for and everything else. I think they're, they're just starting to wake up. And this scares the bejesus out of these people. And for good reason. For good reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I have visions of the French Revolution, you know, payday, dancing through my head right now. I'm, I'm trying to ward them off, but, it, but it's tempting, just for momentary amusement. These people have caused countless deaths, untold misery, and they're just, ha, 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 they're well paid for it. And like you like just, like just said, wow, I can't believe she said, well, it's not against the law to lie. Really? Okay. Actually, it is, just not your law. Yeah, just not in your world. <laughs> so anyway, uh, John, um, up until recently, I was of the same opinions as many other people, and that was that the amount of data that they're collecting on everyone is just so vast, they'll never be able to find anything meaningful in these massive data dumps they're amassing. And just like uh, the endless printing of money, endless data collection has a point of diminishing returns. And meta-tagging or metadata like we talked about before, okay, is only useful to a point before these indexing features start returning so much information for the algorithms to process that the system actually starts bogging itself down. Now, conventional data processing, as we know it, starts out as binary code, zeros and ones, and then data is uh, processed sequentially or in a linear manner. Processed data can have a one-to-one or a one-to-many relationship in database. Now, throw into that mix quantum computing. Yes. Quantum computing takes all the standard principles we know about computers, networking, and data processing, and tosses that out the window. This technology is based on a whole new level of physics, using principles of particle mechanics and quantum entanglement. Now, this involves a particle state. Quantum computing involves a particle state known as superposition. What is superposition? Uh, I, I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> it, it enables particles to have a value of one and zero at the same time. Now, I'm not a physicist, but I'm going to try and explain the best I can how this works and how this, this changes the whole um, landscape of computing as we know it and in the context of these massive data dumps they're collecting. Okay, information is broken down into uh, quantum bits or, or qubits, okay? These superposition particles can pass through any conventional data barrier we have now. And because they exist or reside in two places or in two spaces simultaneously, they can unlock every digital vault 
in the world. I believe it. I, I can kind of, I, I can kind of conceptualize internally here how that how that could work. Mhm. Now here it gets even stranger, and that's another thing. Um, I found in reading a bunch of uh, documentation on this quantum computing, the word spooky. You know how the word smart, smart meter, we talked about before, smart car, smartphone, smart, 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 all bad, bad, bad. It refers to one type, one particular segment of technology. Well, in this realm, the word spooky, I saw pop up more than a dozen times. Spooky chat, spooky data, spooky computing, spooky. So when you hear that word, think, quantum computing, this is what they're alluding to, okay? Now, the qubits, as I mentioned before, are arranged in blockchains, kind of like Bitcoin. And remember we talked earlier about, earlier about the use of synthetic biologic, uh, biology and synthetic bio-APIs? Yes. Well, what does DNA look like? It could be described as a double twisted chain or a helix. Indeed. Indeed, it can. And this level of computing technology will perform in seconds what would have taken conventional computers the equivalent of millions, not a million, millions of years. No. Yes. Okay. Listen to this. We're talking about processing power of 2 to the 512th power of operations being performed simultaneously. How do you know these things, DJ? I looked them up. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> that was an easy one. Okay, fine. Yeah, I started, you know, I, I just kept going, just kept going, kept going, drilling down, drilling down. Okay, now what we're talking about is this computing power of 2 to the 512th power of operations being performed simultaneously. The author of this particular paper that I was reading put it in, in I'm quoting what he said there, that's more calculations than atoms in the universe by orders of magnitude, end quote. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. I'm just like, whoa. And that's what the, um, uh, the, having a brain lapse now. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's called the D-Mark. Hold on. D-Wave. That was the first generation of the D-Wave quantum box. The first quantum computer that was actually sold and is being used, it was 2 to the 512th power of operations. Um, the power of these, these computers, that remember how we were talking about you can't possibly process all the information they're collecting and putting in these data dumps, it's just too much. You reach a point of diminishing returns, right? Yeah. The power of these computers increases exponentially with the number of qubits or data being pumped through them. Wow. It's like, John, if you can imagine, it's like trying to open a combination lock, but you have at your disposal all of the conceivable number sequences simultaneously, and you can hit that lock 
simultaneously with every conceivable number combination on that lock. Boom, it opens immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you just you just uh, you just answered a, a, a question that's been dogging me for a long time, and uh, because I've said this many times that with all this, this massive collection of data, the weak link in the chain of of um, resolution is the human being and the human being's ability to track with all of this and use it. But it appears the human being is effectively being taken out of the chain. Well, they're out of the equation. What's that? They're out of the equation. They're, yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. Because they simply, they simply, they don't work. They, they have no place in the equation. And, mm-hmm. okay, so that, ex, that explains why they pr- proceed with it. Because, you know, the, the layman, like myself, we stand outside and go, you guys can't handle all this data. It's like, well, because the human being is the weak link in the chain. It's like, we've already figured that out. We've taken the human being out of the equation. Good grief. This is, this is amazing. It, it really is. It, it's too bad that, well, maybe, I wonder if anybody has, has a, tried to apply this sort of thing to any sort of a, I don't know, a, a positive experience for humanity or maybe a... Oh, thing. hell no. No. <laughs> what, hell no. no. Where's no. the fun there, no. right? Silly. <laughs> no, all this emerging technology always first goes to military and intelligence and government organizations. Mm-hmm. And the last thing they're going to do is apply it to good in humanity. Now, I don't want your listeners to think I'm some type of a technophobe. I'm not. If anything, I'm a geek, okay? Um, and I love technology. I think technology in the right hands can do wonderful things for humanity. Unfortunately, it never ends up there. And I think we've seen that all the way from, you know, the, the atomic bomb to nuclear reactors and, you know, the list goes on. But anyway, I digress. Me too. It's my fault. It's a bad influence. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Um, all encryption available today is totally useless in the face of this technology. And the best guess estimated by cryptographers in the field working in quantum computing is that it will take at least 10 years to develop an encryption standard that will work in this realm. My question is, what happens during those 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, the only way that something like that could work is if... Is if uh your encryption continually changed at, an, at, a, at a, three, a three-digit exponential rate continuously to a corresponding device that could do that, that trick that, um, that was proprietary in nature so it could do the, the, the trick that you just described with the combination lock so that it had all of those things available. All those, wow. I mean, uh, think about, I can't think about it, really. I know. I mean, I... Let's look at some of who um, some of who the tech giants are that are heavily involved in this. Okay, okay. should we buy stock? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't support them. <laughs> no. IBM, Lido's Corp, ICG, Digital Reasoning, Google, oh, yeah. BAE Systems, Microsoft defense contractors across the board, and government intelligence agencies. These are the major companies and, and, and buyers and investors 
in this type of technology. As a matter of fact, Google just partnered with NASA in 2013 to purchase uh, D-Wave 2. Now, remember how we talked about the 2 to the 512th power yes. processing power? Yes. The D-Wave 2 processes at, I believe, 2 to the 1,152nd power. Gotcha. Okay. It's just, it's inconceivable, mm -hmm. the amount of, um, of uh, processing power these machines can, can perform. I, it's just, it makes my head hurt. Oh, so what I'm wondering is, is where, where did this information to develop this stuff come from? I mean, the, the first place that I'd reach is off-planet. I mean, I can't imagine that just regular old human beings came up with this stuff. I think it came from CERN, and I'll explain why. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're already out there and in use. At least we know the D-Wave 2 is. Okay, Google and NASA bought it, and I bet you it's not sitting mothballed in a closet somewhere. They're using it. And we're not hearing about it because it's not making front-page news, and the mainstream media is not even covering it. Okay, here's a quote from Singularity Hub. They're a publication out there that does a lot of this, you know, atomic level physics and that type of thing. Thing. They had an article in there about this quantum computing specifically on the D-Wave, and the, the writer, the author, wrote, quote, this, these, meaning these quantum computers, will change the balance of power in business and cyber warfare. They have profound national security implications because they are the technology equivalent to, you ready for this, a nuclear weapon. Mm -hmm. Talk about asymmetrical warfare. This, this just takes that to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. You know? And now you had asked about, uh, you know, where did they get this technology from off-planet? It may, it may be coming from off-planet. Uh, so CERN opened a portal and in walked a little purple guy and said, you see this? And everybody went, yeah, what is it? <laughs> Watch what it can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But regarding CERN, e yeah. every time they fire that thing up, okay, they're collecting more data regarding a realm of physics we know little about, a realm of physics that these quantum computers will be operating in. Scientists still don't even know or understand where these qubits go and retrieve answers to highly complex computations. Uh, one theory is that um, they can uh, traverse dimensions of time and space. And another theory is that uh, these quantum bits or qubits are traveling through different dimensions. I would tend to think, and, and this is just me thinking out loud here, that CERN has found a way to fold dimensions in on another and then tunnel through them. You're amazing. I'm just going to state that for the record. Okay, I've stated it. Fold Thanks. dimensions in on each other and tunnel through them? Yep. How many That's... dimensions are we talking here? 
Well, there is, last count, there's 26 that they have, you know, quote-unquote identified. I don't so know is that all only 26? 26 dimensions. Now, if they've found a way to fold these things on top of each other, yeah. you know, like the shortest um, point between, or the shortest distance between four points, like say on a, uh, that connect dots on a piece of paper, you know, you would think, oh, well, I have to draw a line to this one, then to this one, then to, oh, no, no, maybe to this one. No, that's not the shortest point. The shortest point is to fold that piece of paper four times in a way you can pierce it and you connect all line. four of those dots simultaneously. Yeah. That's the shortest that's point. That's pretty cool. That's what I think CERN has either found out how to do or they're just on the verge. Okay, the, the, work, the CERN, among other things I could glean from that project there, is that they're working on um, one, one segment of it anyway. They're working on how to map or how to model consciousness. What is it? How does it operate? They're looking for technical answers to questions uh, like what is the soul? Where does it go when our bodies die? And ultimately, how to master the answers to these questions that humanity has been asking since the beginning of time. And so as far as there's been a, there's been, there's been a, a goal, you know, well, we're searching for the God particle. And, then, and that, that, that's the tagline. You know, we're looking for the God particle, and that's what's being put out there for, for the masses to consume. I don't think they're doing that at all. I think what they're looking for are the keys to unlock an advanced level of technology so they can become God or gods over humanity. I think you are entirely correct. I really do. And precisely.
Yep. Can it really, TJ, can it really be that simple? I think the answer is yes, it can. Well, I mean, the, everything started falling into place pretty quickly, you know, as I was reading these papers and flashbacks of things that had happened four or five years ago that the government had said, the military had said, things they wanted to do, things they were trying to accomplish, you know, it all just, like, started clicking and it started falling into place. This is how they're going to do it. They're not going to, people, people aren't going to go along with the microchipping. You know, people aren't going, go, blah, 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 aren't going to go along with a lot of the proposals coming out of these psychopaths in government. So how do we control so many people? You take complete command and control of the environment they in. Wow. I, I, I'm sorry to say that unfortunate word over and over again, but it's just, this is just staggering. Literally. I mean, that's the word, staggering. And they're doing it. It's, it's, it's left the realm of theory. Oh, no, this is not theory. This, this thing is rolled out. It's rolled out. Now, like I mentioned before, I don't think all of the, let's call them component network, uh, components of the network, have all been plugged in, although they may have. I don't think they've flipped the switch yet. I think this Jade Elm 15 exercise, rolling out the Jade 2 software, is a system test. It's a test to see how well that system can react in controlling the people. Now, I could be completely wrong. I could be way off base, and it's nothing more than a military drill but I don't think so. Let me ask you this. What will, the, what, what will the observable effects of a successful test be? Well, um, I think one of the observable effects will be, um, all right, people are planning a, a demonstration, like I did recently in Phoenix at the, the Muslim, the mosque, down yeah. there, yeah. okay, they'll be monitoring all that. They will have police already set up before any of that information ever hits the airwaves or the news. They'll be waiting. I think that's one of the things you can look for. Um, Much like the biker deal in Waco. Yeah. Uh, were the police there ahead of time? or? Oh, you bet they were. Too many... Too many two-in-the-body, one-in-the-head, the the target is dead scenarios there, combined with corpses on the ground, which do not bleed. Mm. It it really is quite a confusing mess. Wow. So those are some of the things you can look for. You can look for um, preemptive positioning for crowd control, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Now, with... um, with respect to the Jade Helm exercise, the only thing I can recommend to your listeners out there is not from the realistic military, military training aspect of this exercise, but from the back end that we're talking about, do not participate. Do not display an emotional response to it. This is exactly what they're killing on, okay? It appears 
that negative emotions, fear, anger, anxiety, are trigger points for this system to kick off an execution plan. Remember, emotional behavior, physical behavior, activity behavior, outside of the norm, identifies targets. They're going to have to become like Zen slash (laughs) underground warrior priests and priestesses, it sounds like. Talk about steady your mind. Yeah. Steady your emotions. And above all, no fear. Don't be afraid of this operation from either standpoint, the military standpoint or the system standpoint. When you're in a state of fear or you're in a state of anger, you do not make good decisions. And the system's predicated on that. And the system is predicated on that. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you something. <laughs> I've had some pretty interesting conversations over the years, but I'm I'm about to award this one the proverbial cake. I think this one takes the cake. Even if if everything you said, everything you said was wrong, and I don't think it is, by the way, it's still just so complex, so diabolical, so screwed up in, in this beautifully engineered way that you really have to kind of step back and admire it. It's like, wow, that, that is extraordinarily monstrous. Oh, yes, it is. But I, I'll tell you, it, this, this makes too much sense. It makes entirely too much sense. And, and I have to tell you that this is one of those deals where I can't say, oh, I should have seen that coming. I didn't see it coming. I just, the only thing that, that, that I felt I had a high confidence about was that, no, we haven't nailed it yet. There have been a lot of smart people come on the program. They are smart. They're very smart. <laughs> and and they have, uh, they've given us their opinions. But none of them grabbed me like this one. And that's nothing against them. I'm just saying, that's right. The women are smarter. You know that thing? That song, the old song, the women are smarter. No. Um, <laughs> Nobody's ever sung that to me. We may have to play that one. Um, yeah, listen, I'm just, all I can do is, is uh, blither and try and be an interesting conversationalist at this point because I've got to tell you, you just filled my head with so many possibilities that I'm just trying to keep them at bay without forgetting any of them so I can delve into them in, a, in some quiet moments later. And that's not really the best way to, to conduct a conversation. So I think I'll, I'll take the polite path and just say, please just tell us anything else that you want to, because this is amazing. Well, with respect to GeoInt, yeah. okay, uh, with respect to Jade Helm, you know, the key is don't participate, don't display emotional, an, an emotional response. The, the sensors and the data collection, social network, did they're going to be picking up on that data, and they're counting on it, okay? And um, like I said, it appears that the system responses are triggered triggered by negative emotions. Now, with respect to GON, okay, this is a much bigger issue, okay? You would have to get off the technological grid to the best of your individual ability, and that 
is much easier said than done. What they've done was, you know, we've been provided with all of this wonderful technology to make our lives more convenient and easier and more interconnected. And what they've turned around and done is they've turned that technology against us. So in order to stop this, which many people may be thinking, well, how, do, how, how, do, how do we avoid this? You know, I think the answer is obvious. These huge data repositories, like the one in Bluffdale, Utah, the underground ones they have, the one in Maryland, okay, the threat fusion data collection centers, okay, these data storage um, uh, facilities need to be unplugged, if you get my drift. Okay, yeah, the, da the data storage media needs to be erased or rendered unusable because they've already collected so much data, it, it, it blows the mind. It really does. Data sweepers like the Gwen Towers and these dirt boxes and other data collection hardware needs to be disabled. We've got to find some way to disable it, jam it. Because let me put it to you this way, all right? Um, how can I say this? The car won't run if there's no gas in the tank. Right. You know, we're, what we're talking about here is, um, is the R word. Hmm. We're talking about a real no-kidding rebellion. This is um, this is really quite dangerous stuff. I have to tell you, it's uh, it's exciting. It's very dangerous. I mean, drones. I think the word yeah, I think the word you used is diabolical, and that's a very good description. Well, the, the drones are plugged into the J two system. Yeah. They they directly communicate. You know those little operators you see in wherever it is, Nevada or someplace, or Colorado, with operating? Nah, 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 nah. These drones now can be plugged directly into J2. Nice. Take its orders from there. Mm -hmm. So... So Jade Helm, somebody uh, was recently on the program and said, no, it's, it's not kicking off on, on uh, July 15th. It's already running now. Do you agree? I think it's been running for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the back end of it, not, not the front end of it. Another interesting, uh, I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or whatever, but when I was uh, doing a, a report on mastering the human domain and the 1033 program and 21st century policing with that executive order 13684. I played a clip of this guy, oh, what the heck is his name? I want to say Martin, but I don't think that's his name. He's the official PR person for this operation. And he was caught on tape. He didn't say it once. He said it twice. He said, Jay Helm will be in full swing on July 15th, and it will be terminating on September 11th. And then he said again, 
We will be rolling up operations and terminating this exercise on September 11th. I don't think that was a mistake. Sandy Hook uh, 
incident with a jaundiced eye. Oh, yes. <laughs> I sure I'm looking at a couple of guys here. These photographs were sent to me by Wolfgang Helbig earlier today, and um, and our crew was uh, was up at Hartford last week, uh, just getting all sorts of stuff on uh, on the old video recorders. And uh, I'm looking at a couple of guys here that, um, hmm, yeah, they're in uniform. One of them appears to be the Region 5 coordinator, which is not a very clear photograph, but it looks like the man, all right? And this other one looks uh, a whole lot like that, that other guy there in a the uniform. He's, uh, he's distributing cases of, uh, he's, he's getting some cases of water bottles uh, situated on a, on a table. It's uh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. When one of the uh, when Halbig's lawyer said to um, I believe wasn't it the superintendent of the uh, school system there? Well, I believe it was. I could I could be misspeaking, but I don't think I am. Well, who put the sign there that says everyone must check in? <laughs> oh well, the Department of Homeland Security. All right. Three days before the so-called shooting. Everyone must check in, huh? Everyone must check in. You bet. Department of Homeland Security, this woman said, is the one who put the sign there. Department of Homeland Security. The moment that I heard uh, G.W. Bush say those words, we're going to establish the Department of Homeland Security. I'll tell you, my, my chest just swelled with pride at the word homeland. I thought, what kind of Mickey Mouse... Who is this? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll keep it try and keep it clean since I'm busy with a lady here. But uh, you know, you know the, the thing about it is, is it doesn't depress me. It doesn't, it doesn't do any of that. It, it, it but it does trigger one of those things that we should guard against. I take it those sensors can pick up anger pretty easily. This yeah. stuff makes me angry. You know why? Because it insults my intelligence. I mean, <laughs> even, even if I had a tenth of the intelligence that uh, apparently several people have measured. Um, it, it would still insult what little. If I had an IQ of 10, it would insult my intelligence. That, that, that they just think that this is okay to do this. Well, we have our agenda. Well, you know, screw your agenda. And you too. But, you know, that and a dollar will get you right on the subway. What I want to do is figure out a way to do what you said. I, I don't understand. Let's see now. If it's, if it's not against the law to lie, well, then I guess it... Somebody out there can make a case that it's not against the law to enslave humanity as long as you're humane about it. As long as the enslavement is in furtherance of cooperation and, and a happier life for the citizenry of the planet. And things will run much more smoothly with one centralized government and, and, and one currency. And in fact, we may not use currency at all. Maybe we'll use Magoon-esque work units. Yes. That will suggest that everyone has a work to do, and because they get they get credits, they're getting credit for their work, and and, and that's kind of a recognition. This should this should make them feel some sense of pride that they're part of a grand system to keep this planet under control. I mean, good grief. And they're not even they don't even look at us as human, and that's okay because I don't look at them as human either. I mean, humans have empathy they have they love i mean they have compassion they feel remorse these people that seem to be running the planet have none of those qualities yeah it makes me think of what frank zappa said when he was uh, at a hearing 
in the, in Washington D.C. when the, he was threatened with being held in contempt, and he said, "That's okay, Senator. I already hold you in contempt." <laughs> Feelings mutual. Yeah. <laughs> And that just reminds me, every time I hear one of these idiots, especially Obama, get up and announce another one of these executive orders, this is it, I almost expect I should be hearing a, a large billowing voice in the background saying, I am the Lord thy government, and there shall be no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, God... I mean, you people don't even, you don't abide by the same laws you expect us to abide by. You're not prosecuted for crimes against humanity, but, you know, the guy down the street robs a loaf of bread and they swap team his house. I, what is this? What, how, how did we get here? I don't know. I think it's through, um, you know, I think it's that old from slavery to great spirituality to courage to freedom to abundance, to complacency, to apathy, and back to slavery. I think we're in the apathy stage, and I think we're on the verge of going back into slavery. I really do. Yeah. I really, yeah. really do. It's all cyclical. Cycles with government. Yeah, that, that's it. And, and we're just going to have to taste some real pain. But, you, but you know, as, as I put these things that, that, uh, that these wonderful people that I have conversations with, um, I can't even remember who it was, Mr. Ghost, who said uh, that pain is, is, is a good thing. It's, it's a warning. What's that? Was that Harry Dent? Yeah. Uh, talk about a renegade economist. He, uh, he's made some good predictions, but a lot of people don't agree with, with the, his prognostications. But so what? I mean, like Arthur Clark said, what have I said this ten times in the last two weeks? For every expert, there's an equal and opposite expert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good old Arthur C. Clark, like him. Um, but people who don't feel pain, they, they bump into things. They injure themselves. They kill themselves. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just crashing into stuff. They're not even aware of it. So pain is a wonderful warning mechanism. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it is unpleasant. And, and I just think we're about to taste some real pain. I really do. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, I could listen to you all night, and, and I will. If you want to go on for another couple of hours, that'd be great. Um, I'm seriously, you, you might be going, oh, man, your, your eyes may be rolling at that one. I mean, no, I have to go feed the horses. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Now, you talk about some therapy. Now, yeah. Tell about that American pharaoh, the way he looked at the camera like, hey, I did okay, didn't I? Did you see his picture <laughs> after he'd won the Triple Crown? You know what? I didn't, John. I stopped. I unplugged from TV about four years ago. So oh. all this stuff that's usually normally covered on the Jews and sporting channels and that. That's I don't right. Even the women are smarter. Okay. No, 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 no. No, they I are. Just, I they are. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I, I would find myself anymore. getting so angry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are you doing this then? Why are you watching this? It's making me angry. Mommy, why is Do Daddy something? yelling at the television set like this? <laughs> 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 it's an inanimate object. I'm a baby and I know this. Well, I'll tell you what. This thing's, this program's already running. And... Um, and so I, I suppose it's going to ramp up a little bit. Well, is it too much of a stretch to suggest that you and I and our blessed and beloved caravanners get together again as the, the official rollout of uh, Jade Helm 2 uh, occurs? And let's just see if anything's changed, because I'll tell you what, this has been an extraordinarily enriching and illuminating conversation with you. I really mean that. 
I don't feel like I contributed very much to it. If anything, I took away from it just because I can't really hang with you on this level of research that you've done. But um, she was just great. And, and it's well, really- John, I have to say thank you. And coming from you, that's an honor because one of the few people I really respect in the alternative media is you, your show, and, and you know your contribution to all the guests that you have on there. And there's a few others, you know, but I really, really enjoy the people that you have on your show, the way you handle things, you know, the way you don't get people all worked up. You know, there's a couple of pretty big alternative news people out there that, oh, my God, I sit there and listen to them and I have a headache in five minutes. And to me, that's not good. What did you say? Pain is an indication of something you should not be doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just happy you said it. I'd be, I'd be willing to, but I'm very happy you said <laughs> That's right. The women are smart. I love it. I really do. Well, go feed your horses, lady. I think, I think you're just wonderful, DJ, and, and I want to talk to you again. I really do. I'm going to keep your numbers. And so if you get a, you go, who is this? It's probably me. Oh, okay. Yeah. What would, okay, you, like well, to, what would you like to leave us with? I mean, you've got to impart one, one, one good part in shot. Just, just, you know, fire that bow as you're riding away out behind you. Well, I think there's, oh, God, there's so much. You don't fire the a one, bow. You, 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 you release an arrow. Sorry, see, I'm doing it again. <laughs> I think the, the main thing is, is in all this insanity is to stay calm, find a spiritual center, you know, and focus on that. Be kind to people. You know, smile at people. Make eye contact when you go out during the day and just smile at them. And you know, chances are they'll smile back. Just generate as much of the the good um, emotions as you can because, like, as I mentioned before, these systems, I believe, are triggered, being triggered by negative emotion. Just generate as much positive as you're individually capable of. That's a beautiful thing. So that, so, so that what there may be of the divine and everyone can recognize the divine in all others. Yes. Because yeah. we are all divine. We are all special. We're not cattle. We're not, you know, um, herd animals, you know, which is what they're trying to reduce us to. Yes. And we're not. We're spiritual beings. We're conscious. Um, there's a collective consciousness, I believe, that, you know, can be tapped into. And I'm not talking about the geoid, you know, that's artificial. I believe that there is um, a, a real one out there that we're all a part of. We all came from it, and we're all going to return to it. I'm going to follow every link and every bit of data that I've written down on these pages so that uh, I'll, I'll be up on things a little better uh, by the time we talk next. I'll tell you what. This was absolutely amazing. I thank you very much for what you brought to to everybody who is within range of this uh, cybercast, this radio cast, this how, however you're getting the information. May God bless you, and uh, and I look forward to our next conversation. You too, John. Thank you so much. Take care now. Bye. Bye bye. Well, I don't know. All I know is that there's far more to be known than what we know now. So let's get about finding out what it is, shall we? 
And until we meet again, do what DJ said. Let the divine in you recognize the divine in others. Generate that, that positive energy. We can't make it by ourselves. We need each other. And if it turns into an us versus them scenario, well, we can at least be content in knowing that we did not make that choice. They did. But we are prepared to meet them on their own terms until we meet again. Exercise caution in your daily affairs. Eyes up always. Make ready for what's to come.